Hello, people. Welcome to the very first episode of Hap Calf Transmissions, the brand new podcast style YouTube series. What did I call it on Twitter, Corey? Uh, oh, it was great. It was a uh, podcast. It was, it, was, like, it was basically what you'd see on a mayonnaise jar. Podcast. Yeah. Ma- on a mayonnaise, mayonnaise style dressing, which <laughs> miracle with. Oh, God. So this is our brand new series. Mayonnaise likeness aside, we'll be talking about Star Wars Legends books. Uh, we're starting with The Truce at Bakra or Bakura. I'll probably go between each pronunciation today. Um, and yeah, so the whole idea is we'll have a discussion on a book. You guys will hopefully read it in advance. Um, and yeah, it'll be a great, fun time. The uh, show is going to introduce yourself too for people who don't know don't know you for some reason. Uh, yeah. So hi everyone. I'm Corey. I have been involved with Star Wars stuff for about uh, 13 years coming up next week when I started uh, the Thrawn's Revenge mod for Empire at War. I've got my own lower channel where I do uh, pretty niche stuff, and Eckhart and I have been looking for something to collaborate on for a while, and I think we both came up with the idea for the show individually and came to each other with it, mm-hmm. so it was, uh, seemed to yeah. work out pretty well. And for those who don't know, my name is Justin. I run YouTube channel at Carts Ladder. I'm doing this introduction because the video, while live on my channel, this time is going to be posted on Corey's lore channel, um, Corey's data pad. On the next week, we're going to switch it up. So Corey will have the live discussion on his channel, and then we'll have the uh, the VOD or the VOD over here. So he he probably has a nicer stream setup than me. So if that's what you prefer, you know, every second week you'll get to experience that. Uh, yeah. So. Tomorrow morning, the VOD for this one will be up on my channel. The VOD is also going to stay up on Eckhart's channel, mm-hmm. obviously. So whichever channel you want to watch it on, it'll be up at some point. Uh, but yeah, so if you're watching on my channel, definitely uh, go over to Eckhart's channel and subscribe. And then you can see it live next time. And we won't be... So we will be reading comments and everything. So if you have any... Hopefully you read it. <laughs> Feel free to leave them. If you have any donations or anything... We will make sure that we get to it at the very least at the end. Uh, and next week, or sorry, not next week, but the week after next, we will be moving on to our next novel, which is book one of the X-Wing series, Rogue Squadron. It's, I'd say it's a fan favorite. Uh, yeah, it's usually, I think it and the Thrawn trilogy are usually held up as the the best Legends books. Mm-hmm. So. But if, you, yeah, it's basically just, it's like Top Gun in space. I mean, you can't really... You can't really go wrong. A lot of it kind of set the stage for everything that would happen in mm-hmm. the next 20 years of Star Wars. But uh, yeah. And I think that's kind of a, a good place to jump in because we're talking about the Truce of Bakura came out in 1993. So after, notably after Thrawn came out and after Dark Empire. So it's in a universe that's kind of had the first bit of establishment done. Um, we know, for example, that... The Empire is crumbling after Endor. We know that the, uh, the Alliance is kind of standing in, trying to be this new provisional government. Uh, they don't call themselves the New Republic in this. They call themselves just the Alliance. We'll talk about that later. Um, so it's kind of interesting how it builds on what was established by those, especially the Thrawn trilogy, a lot more than Dark Empire. Yeah, so you get mentions of things like Imperial Center and Palpatine, where the name hadn't been mentioned in a movie yet. Uh, Coruscant was brought up as Imperial Center in the Thrawn trilogy, mm-hmm. but it hadn't been established in 
like the first movie that it actually shows up in is Phantom Menace. So this is all stuff that's just from the EU at this point and hasn't been brought into the uh, the movie universe. Right. Uh, yeah, it fits in nicely, especially... So there's also a source book for this that we... We tried to stay mostly to the book, but we did read the source book as well. Um, that came out three years later, and it was another excellent West End game source book, and that sort of helped make it work well with X-Wing and just general with the universe as the source books kind of did back then. Oh, people are saying your sound is out. Let me just... Uh, I gotta check that I have no noise gate. Is yours... I was doing that a little bit too. Okay. Is that better, guys? So we'll see. We should also mention... There we go. Yeah, we, we meant to say this too. We're kind of doing a lot of this. This is our, obviously, first episode, so... You guys are the ones that get to experience um, all the technical difficulties. Yeah, all the technical difficulties and stuff. Is that better? Okay. Corey's back. Uh, I also noticed some of my donation sounds are coming through, so I am going to try to fix that real quick. Just close that out. But yeah, so stuff like format and any uh, technical issues, we're going to be trying to make sure we sort any of that out for uh, as much as we can this time, and then also uh, try to improve yeah. it as much as we can for next time as well. So anything that you guys want to suggest, uh, that'd be very helpful. And yeah, totally. just uh, bear with us a bit. Yep. Oh, we should also talk about the name too, because if you've... we, I think we like Tapcaf Transmissions because Tapcaf is almost totally a Star Wars Legends thing. Like, I don't think... Did we even mention it in the Clone Wars or anything? Uh, um, I don't think so. But it's one of those things... I'm trying to think of another example. One of those things... <laughs> lead if you read legends they mention it all the time same with like repulsor lifts you know um so for those who don't know a tap calf is basically the star wars version of a bar usually like you'll go down to the tap calf uh you can also spell it with an e um but they also sometimes refer to it as a coffee shop though it's usually um usually a bar yeah so, so. bar or cafe yeah because uh, calf is coffee in star wars so it's kind of a weird one but but, um, uh, should we should we start with the like? So I think we looked at a bit of the out of universe text. Um, just for reference, this book starts like the first chapter is the day after the Ewok celebration. Um, so Luke has just been <laughs> shocked really badly by Palpatine, and he deals with that throughout the book. Um, they start off on the fleet above. Endor, and then it moves over. How many days did you say, Corey? Like four days? Yeah, I think it, it's like three or four days max that the entire major plot of the book takes place because they get to Bakura from Endor, and then mm. it's from there two or three days before the yeah. entire plot happens. Yeah, and the the book itself is kind of like it, it's over a short period in the book itself. It's not insubstantial or anything, or unsubstantial, but there is like. It, it goes by quickly without a lot, like all the action is really concentrated. You know, there's that scene at the beginning where the really weird scene where Wedge almost loses his hand. And then at the end, there's, you know, the big battle and stuff. And then there's a couple little things in between, but the middle portions especially feel a lot like, and we'll, we'll do a full review at the end. But to me, at least the middle portions feel a lot like, Oh, Luke went to Gary's apartment or Gary yeah. came to Luke's apartment or uh, whatever else. It's like a it's a three hundred and thirty nine page book, and it, I think the last battle starts somewhere in the two hundred and eighties or something. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's 
there, there's a lot of character development, I guess. Uh, a lot of focusing on yep. Han and Leia's relationship, on yeah. one of Luke's first uh, romantic interests, which is... <laughs> I, it, Luke's basically an incel. Yeah, it, every time that there's a romantic subplot in a Star Wars book that involves Luke, it it's not 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 great. Yeah. It's yeah. Not great, I think is a good way to put it. Um so so yeah, as I mentioned the book moving in universe, the book basically opens with uh we'll talk about the the bit with the message pod is a bit weird, and it took me a couple of times reading it to really realize what was going on. Um so basically the Alliance fleet is in orbit. Most of the fleet's been just de- well, not most of the fleet's been destroyed. I think they say twenty percent of the fleet is destroyed. Uh, but most of it's being repaired. So there's kind of a cool scene where like uh, Luke is in his X-Wing and talks about like repair droids going between the ships and just kind of, I think, fits nicely. Han and Leia are still on the ground. Um, <laughs> and I think in canon, that's where little Kylo came from, but not in Legends. But um, <laughs> but so there's this Imperial message pod and it's supposed to be, they say it's pre-Clone Wars, uh, very expensive, and there, it's being powered by some sort of crystal. Um, yeah, it's, it's like a physical pod that they delivered. A, it's a message yeah. in a bottle in space. And they actually kind of like do talk from, a lot about how, uh, like, HoloNet access is a very exclusive thing yeah. in this book. Like the captain, was it uh, Commander Thanis that was surprised that the Rebel flagship in the book, the Flurry, had oh, yeah. access to HoloNet transmissions? Yeah. Yeah, because it was stolen Imperial parts, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it, it, they have something similar with uh, in Jedi Academy, too, for the... Uh, is, don't they have a message pod on the... Am I misremembering? But I, th- I think there's a message pod that Kip Duran hides out in in book three of Jedi Academy after after he uh, throws what's-it-called into the, into the maw. He hides it in a message pod, but I could be misremembering. No, that that sounds right. And then Han has to go and get him, and he's sure he's yeah. dead. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll yeah, we'll get back to that in about what thirty six weeks, or yeah, quite probably a while. More than that with our next <laughs> our quite a while. Academy read through. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they find this message pod, and it's being powered by these crystals. And what is it? If the crystals touch, the whole thing will explode. Um, so Wedge has his hand in there basically, and he's, I I can't remember if he's trying to keep them together or keeping them separated. Either way, his hand is being crushed and Luke has to, it's a very kind of complicated thing. And it's not, that's one of the things about this book. It's like, they're still figuring out how the universe works. They do a really good job with a lot of it. Like the hollow net stuff is really good. The way they talk the empire in this time period is really good. But then you get like the crystals is is kind of weird. And what basically happens is Luke flies over there with his X-Wing and I think he chops the power supply for one of them. At the same time, Wedge jumps and he almost loses his hand. And there's actually a kind of cool moment that Luke uses like a a force power. You don't see that often where he sees through Wedge's eyes. He's Mm -hmm. like, look at it for me. Um, Usually it's just like something like that would be like empathetic, like he's feeling what wedge feels but he actually sees through his eyes i thought that was pretty cool yeah i'm trying to think if that comes comes up too much because i i think it was something that came up more with like jason's weird 
mm. force odyssey where he went to other yeah. force user groups and learned a bunch of different powers i don't think it's something that you ever really see other jedi do one thing that's kind of similar like back still when like the the books in the 90s they would often have disguise himself without actually like later on they would use makeup but I, i'm trying to remember I, I think in crystal star luke basically disguises himself through the force basically he alters his appearance and yeah I, that's kind of similar to me because it's kind of affecting what people see but i guess it's it's different in a way but yeah it's definitely kind of an esoteric force power i guess well he he also directly mind controls uh a Puek slave which are like these Basically, Chad C. Ruby to <laughs> Virgin, Virgin Boys. <laughs> you didn't want I to say it, but I felt, yeah. I felt okay saying it. Um, but, speaking of, I, I guess we kind of uh, well, maybe we'll get to the the C. Ru later. But so he he mind controls a puck. I actually don't remember that part. Which it was when he was. Uh, I think it was when he was breaking out of the uh, the thing at the end that they set up to entesh him. But oh we'll, right. We'll probably get to that a bit later with yeah. Instead of jumping ahead to the yeah, end of the book. Thinking about it, he does stuff like that too with the uh, the battle droid starfighters. He basically yeah. He's like killing yourself is better than. But yeah, we'll we'll get to that. We'll talk about the because the Cyru are a really weird faction. They use some some strange technology. Uh, but basically, we're kind of moving right into this. The message pod um, is basically from a, isn't it? Would you call it an outpost or just an occupied? It's an imperial planet. Uh, Bakura and Lake Endor. It's really far out from the core. Um, and yeah, back in in I guess galactic terms in this book, they talk about mostly something is either on the rim or it's in the core. And of course, the core is where everyone is. And this is in the source book too. And then the rim is you know much much more unlawful. And you know that's you can find stuff like that from the earliest bits of Star Wars. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah. Later but, on the the Siruvi and a bunch of surrounding areas get mentioned as being part of the unknown regions. I don't think that was really established yet, but Bakura is basically right on the edge of no yeah. space before that. Uh, yeah. And so this small, it, the world is known mostly because they produce repulsor lifts and repulsor lifts are one of those things that are mentioned in every star Wars legends book. Um, basically if it allows you to hover um, in atmosphere. And so a lot of things in, Bakura float. Um, Literally everything. Repulsor yeah. chairs, repulsor beds. beds it, um, so they have the repulsor beds. I wasn't sure if it was a bed where the platform was floating or that's if... That's what I imagined it as. If it was a repulsor that was holding them up. Because that's what it oh. kind of sounded like from Gariel's sleeping scene. And this is clearly the most important discussion point. We'll yeah, I know. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, Tenelka has one too. <laughs> Later on, they mentioned her having a repulsor bed. Yeah, I never... I never uh, that actually makes more sense. I always assumed that it was just like they were too lazy to make the legs, so they just stuck some repulsors on like a block of wood. But that seems harder. That does seem way harder. <laughs> so that that actually makes sense now. If you have like a power uh, outage in the middle of the night and you're sleeping on a repulsor bed, you just smack <laughs> down. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Um, yeah. But I yeah, never so, thought about that either. Uh, so yeah, they make repulsor tech. Palpatine had much earlier made a deal with, uh, he had discovered the Siruvi apparently in a Force vision and communicated with them through the Force uh, that the Siruvi, so they, their technology is all powered basically by 
uh, souls or life force where they hook up uh, a being to these machines and then they sap out the life energy to power uh, their battle droids or basically anything else. And Palpatine yeah, like had... You, sorry? you could be like... Sorry, I just like... Uh, if you're lucky, your soul gets ripped out of you and, you're, and you power a battle droid. If you're unlucky, your soul gets ripped out of you and you power like a microwave <laughs> or like the Cy Ruby foot massager. So it's like, yeah, and they're, yeah, they're conscious inside of this. Like, Luke yeah, reaches out and touches the minds in it. There's like shit, shit, shit. <laughs> Not having a good time at all. <laughs> the Cy Ruby electric toothbrush. What a horrible <laughs> life. Get another prisoner. We just <laughs> batteries ran out. <laughs> but Palpatine wanted some of the Sea Ruby battle droids, which were very heavily shielded, really strong. Mm -hmm. uh, they're basically mass spammable fighters that the Sea Ruby use. And he was basically offering these outer rim imperial worlds to the Sea Ruby, where they could take the entire population and touch them, which was what the process was called to get the power. And then mm -hmm. he'd do that in exchange for getting some of the droids. Uh, right. So they attacked and then sent this message, and uh, the Bakurans sent this message to get help from the Imperial fleet at Endor, which, little did they know, the rebels yeah. had blown up most of it and sent the rest to the core. Yeah, so the rebels are kind of in a weird spot at this, or weird position right now, too, because they've just blown up the second Death Star yesterday. Uh, Palpatine is dead, and they kind of see themselves now, and they talk about how the galaxy kind of sees itself now see themselves as a quasi-legitimate government. And interestingly, the source book talks about how they're not yet the New Republic, that would come much later, but they take the name the Alliance of Free Planets, which I found interesting because the Alliance of Free Planets is actually the name, and I should mention this isn't in the book, it's only in the source book. In the book, they just call themselves the Alliance and the Empire calls them the Rebels. But the idea of an Alliance of Free Planets is sort of a precursor to the New Republic First came back from the Marvel comics uh, after Return of the Jedi because, and this is really off topic, so I'll keep it short, but basically Marvel was super limited to what they could do, so they were kind of treading water, so they made this kind of new group, and that's what the Alliance sort of is here. So not quite a full government. Um, they wouldn't have, you know, some worlds would have kicked the Empire off, um, but Bakura wasn't one of them at this point. They were still under Imperial command. Um, and they have a very small fleet. Um, the source book talks about how many of the planets in the Outer Rim wouldn't have any fleet, but because they do have these repulsor stations or repulsor factories, they have a single carrot cruiser. And you say a DP-20 as well? Uh, yeah, they had two DP-20s, which are the blocky Corellian gunships, according mm -hmm. to the, uh, the source book, and four... Uh, four smaller corvettes that the source book draws like their IPVs, but are apparently something else entirely. Uh, oh, so okay. very small things. Oh, okay. And in the book, it's mentioned that the Carrick is like eighty percent of the Imperial force, which yeah. is it's basically sad. like yeah, yeah. Carrick is so yeah. So this is like the the edge of the edge. So far, the uh, the Cyru where talked about being i think they kind of later stuff has called them they're like in some sort of like cluster or nebula near the edge of the galaxy but in this book they actually kind of talk about themselves invading the galaxy so they're actually from outside of the galaxy proper 
Um, so that's how far out we are here. And that's why the alliance at Endor, which is all also really, really far in the middle of nowhere, is a best position to respond. And then they have the the bonus effect that they can, you know, Leia especially is like, well, we're gonna get them with us if we're gonna if we're gonna be here. We might as well get our first uh planet in our new alliance. Yeah, and on their way to attacking Bakura, the Siruvi had taken another world called Groho or Gro oh, yeah. or G Roho. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. That's a good try. But uh, well, there we can just cut out whichever ones don't work. Uh, Perfect. I did like five. So yeah. when they were taking that planet, it was like five years before, I think, and right. they had captured a force-sensitive kid named Dev Sibwara, who is mm. helping them with the attachment process because he can relax the people and make it much easier for them to take all this life energy. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. also used to communicate with the Bakurans and he, he like promises them this wonderful life free of pain and everything where they can live forever as a battle droid. And his biggest dream in life is to become a Sea Ruby battle droid. And he's also like, oh, and don't worry, our flagship is coming. Uh, and it what, what's the what's the Sea Ruby name for it again? Uh, Shrewer. Yeah, which is like what filled with eggs or something he calls it or ripe with eggs, ripe with eggs. So basically these alien lizards and they do look like lizards with spooky nose tendrils are coming in a ship called ripe with eggs. So I'd, enjoy that I'd, one. I join. Like, yeah. Yeah. I but be, we should also mention power the too. shields on a battle droid. <laughs> yeah, because the battle droids have like two souls inside them. One's probably doing the flying. The other is just like, well, I guess because I'm doing the shields. Yeah. That sounds like the most boring thing possible. Yeah. Like the well, other one gets to fly, presumably fire the weapons, all the fun stuff. And then it probably blows up in like three seconds because they're yeah. little two meter triangular pyramid or yeah. square base pyramids. And then shields. Yeah. Strong shields, but you know, still shields. Well, there's others on the, uh, the ripe with eggs powering like, cause remember Luke, Luke, uh, freeze all of them. And it's like, yeah, powering a cable <laughs> yeah the paddle beamers so they have these little melee weapons that are essentially tasers that just have contact like yeah. they don't shoot people they just smack them a bit and there's mm. souls powering that too so <laughs> could you imagine getting being like paralyzed by like your best friend <laughs> they took johnny now he's paralyzing me it's the worst <laughs> horror movie ever <laughs> Oh man, that's like yeah, that's. But we should mention too, Dev isn't really doing this on his own accord. He's being continually uh, hypnotized. Uh, yeah, they spray him with this uh, hypnotic spray, like some sort of mind-numbing agent, and then he looks deep into the eyes of one of the Sea Ruby, uh, a blue guy <laughs> named uh, Shitikith. It's yeah. going to be impossible to pronounce anything of the Sea Ruby yeah, names other than Admiral Ipicus. Because that's nice yeah, and easy. But uh, he's basically, it's, they call it renewing him, I'm pretty sure. Where every yeah, so often, if he starts seeming like, hey, maybe this isn't the best thing in the world, he'll just get mind wiped. Yeah, like he starts to, he, he always, and like he will get angry at them. Like, you killed my parents, which they did. Um, or just... Like the fact they, because humans, we should mention too, humans are the best source of entechment power. Um, yeah, that's why like they, they want they to also, invade the galaxy. Right, because they do entech the Poex sometimes. 
uh, like if they really need to, but they're kind of crappy. Human minds can like last for a while, I think. Yeah. Um, it's like getting oh, shitty should... Duracell AA batteries right. versus the nice rechargeable ones. Right. Amazon essentials, basically <laughs> what humans are. Um, so yeah, they've got a weird relationship too, because he's always like snuggling with one of them and or, like he sleeps next to them and then they always like scratch his arm and kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of like a, a weird thing because he's like, he's always pet. like, yeah, but he like, he's always talking about how he's such a fragile skinned human and they're always like scratching him just for fun to, to make him bleed and stuff. It's really, yeah, it's super messed up. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, the rebels, Hmm. I said Kathy was, yeah, she she got started. And then they took a three-year break after this book, so Kathy made it a little too weird, maybe. <laughs> it was like, yeah, they, we were talking about this a little earlier, but it was like they were setting up for a much bigger plot of Ruby yeah. invading the galaxy, and they mm-hmm. didn't do that. Uh, we'll talk it towards the end of the yeah, show we'll, about... we'll mention that later, yeah. ...where stuff comes up again later. But, uh, but yeah, this, this, uh, this message in a bottle gets to Endor... The mm-hmm. rebels intercept it because obviously the Imperial fleet is gone, and they decide they're going to send uh, one Quasar class carrier, uh, one Krellian corvette, and was it five DP twenties of their own to go and help against yeah. this invasion yeah. force of aliens who are going to dominate the galaxy? Yeah, uh, it's kind of a weird fleet setup because it's like, like I mean, they they could have given them something like this is like an existential. <laughs> they're like. Take this, uh, take this fighter carrier. Best of luck, boys. <clears throat> See if you get back. And the Falcon too, of course, and Rogue Squadron. But they have a lot of plot cool. power, but in terms of yeah, actual they, firepower, really, they they did not care about Bakura. Is no. Yeah, they, and, and Luke is also a mess at this point too because yeah. he's like he's in med bay for the first quite a bit. <laughs> Everyone's telling him not to go because he's clearly <laughs> like this is. 24 hours after he's been given electroshock therapy by Palpatine. His bones are calcifying, they're yeah, basically that, saying. He did not forget to drink his milk. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're screwed, but good luck. Go fight these uh, Go fight these raptors who will steal your soul. Sounds very restful and relaxing. Yeah. So he's, Luke is given command of this mission, where he's like commanding this fleet. From the Quasar, which is not something that you see too often in Star Wars, because uh, Luke is actually bad at this. Yeah, he's uh, really bad at it. Not, not a, not a thing he should be doing. He's fine yeah, in a starfighter, even... but like, yeah, like Grand Master Luke and even Jedi Luke. He often, like, when the Order was kind of revived, he would lead um, fighter squads in battle all the time. But especially like during the Vong War and. Uh, like Second Galactic War and whatnot, but I can't really think of too many occasions where he actually like leads a fleet because, you know, usually like he was off doing Jedi stuff. He did briefly become the supreme commander of Imperial forces, didn't he? In Dark Empire, yes, he did. Yes, I forgot about that. So that clearly he's qualified. He probably put it yeah. on his CV, like commanded Quasar Carrier at Bakura. And every world devastator ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, and in he so his first little skirmish. So they uh, they get Rogue Squadron, and then 
like they talk about wedges explicitly named in the book. And then I think in X-Wing number one, they talk about Tycho mentions that he was part of the uh, Bakura attack. Like it was just Rogue Squadron at the time. Um, So what was I saying? (laughs) Oh, yeah. So so they get all the rebels together with the Falcon in tow. And uh, yeah, they show up and it's basically like Bakura, they show up at the perfect time because Bakura, the small Imperial defense fleet is like nearly, nearly overwhelmed. And I think they even mentioned that like um, the Cyru are dropping shuttles and stuff down to the planet. And the thing is about the Cyru invasion, it's kind of like self-propagating. And once they take one world, it becomes much worse because they use this integument power basically to create new battle droids. So it's like every world they take um, and I mean, it doesn't necessarily make sense, but every world they take, the more powerful their navy gets. Yeah, they had not discovered any other kind of electricity. Apparently, it was yeah. just the souls. But once they got those souls, they could do a lot with them. Yeah. Oh, we we, sh- we f- I forgot to mention too. Um, Obi Wan shows up, and it's like right. There's it's... a few Force Ghost appearances. <laughs> yeah, and Obi Wan's is kind of strange because <laughs> it's like Obi Wan will come in and be like, "Go visit Yoda," and then in this one, Obi Wan is like. The Emperor called the Cyru. <laughs> yeah, he just <laughs> he knows all this stuff that he has no business knowing. Yeah. And uh there was there was even a point in the book where Luke tries to talk to Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Vader because he's lonely and wants girl advice. <laughs> and I guess it hadn't been established yet that they the Jedi Order was uh well they weren't celibate, but they weren't allowed to have attachments like that. Yeah. So it really did it was super weird and whiny but uh was it on the way to bakura that vader and leia talk or were they on bakura already no they're already there okay i don't want to it's weird too because it's it's also weird too because she's like just getting out of the refresher it's very odd yeah Um, i'm always watching but (laughs) what yeah especially half of leia's Um, scenes in the book about like her and han trying to have sex which is uncomfortable for everyone but yeah so they kind of yeah go ahead I was just going to continue on with the plot of the book because we're getting yeah, super... it's probably important. Uh, but yeah, so we the Alliance gets to Bakura. They start defending. Uh, there's a brief discussion between uh, Commander Peter Thanis, spelled without the first E, P-T-E-R, because Star Wars, and... Second E. Was it Isn't P-E-T-R or P-T... Isn't it P- Am I thinking about oh, pterodactyls? Yeah. yeah, I think or... you are. Oh, damn. Right, hold on. Too many dinosaurs. Sorry. I shouldn't have corrected you if I wasn't sure. I now I'm not sure. Let's open our books to. No, you are right. It's the it's first P-T-E-R. one. But yeah. Right. So uh, the Imperial commander on the Carrick uh, does accept the rebels' help. They all work together and they talk about making a formal truce. So this is uh, the first time I think in any Star Wars media where the rebels and the Imperials started actually working together for something. Uh, that's Maybe, where you also yeah. get uh, the the title it's all coming back here they're making a truce and they're at bakura wow it it was all it was all leading to this moment um well they're all fighting except han and leia because han's like "Mm, we should probably protect the only um the only diplomatic person we have here and they leave tries to leia and the falcon like it's in the middle of battle and han's like don't think so he flies over to some ice planet (laughs) <laughs> and then they park in space and they're like he shows her to like the he's got like a kind of bed and stuff set up in the uh in one of the cargo holds 
Yeah. I don't know. That just seemed very un... Like, I, I can't see Leia ever agreeing to that. He had um, Chewbacca set up a romantic getaway in the Falcon for them, and there yeah. were a bunch of inflatable pillows in a... It... It... Yeah. It... Yeah. So, while Luke is, like, just a, a disaster when it comes to women, he's written, like... I know he's not 18 anymore. He'd be what? Like... Uh, he'd be 22? It's four years He's written after. like a 22-year-old. Han, on the other hand, is just total alpha male. Entire book. <laughs> How much um, older is Han? Is, is he six years older than Luke and Leia? Uh, I'm not sure. Someone in the chat probably knows that. But yeah, so there's this space battle for the future of humanity going on. Uh, <laughs> Chewie's trying to get Han laid. And <laughs> Leia's having none of it. She's totally... Well, yeah. She... she well, she comes around until they get shot by the battle droid. Yeah, that was that kind of ruined the moment, which you'd think they wouldn't have the moment then, but you know. Yeah. Um. Then they so land, I guess, and they go back and help in the battle a bit. Oh. And then right, they yeah. end up driving the sea ruby off. They start retreating, and it's only like two major cruisers. I think it's uh, a Shri class cruiser, a Luwak class cruiser. So these are relatively small. They're, mm -hmm. uh, I think, six hundred meters for both of them. Uh, it's much larger than the Carrick, but yeah, was... it's the small scouting force. And uh, then after that happens, uh, the commander says he's going to do everything he can to make sure that it's uh, the truce stays until they've dealt with everything the mm -hmm. Sea Ruby are doing. And they do end up going to the planet at this point. Yeah, so this is kind of a. So there are, are two real main. I guess I guess we now's not a bad time to talk about the the major players in the book. Obviously, on the mm -hmm. road, we have the the trio, and we have the droids, and we have Chewie, uh, and Wedge is Wedge is in the book, but he stays mostly in space. Um, uh, and after losing it, almost losing his hand, he mostly stays in space. Um, and then we have for the Imperials, we have Peter Thanis, who is he's basically like the kind of good imperial um he's basically relegated to this backwater world because i don't remember what the exact story is he refused uh, some it was on alzok i think he was where he was running tal's mine uh tal's slavers in some mines right and he figured out that the, the slaves would work better if they were given more food mm -hmm. and like he wasn't trying to do it to be a good person he just thought it would be uh more productive and then the Taos figured out that he was the one that gave them more food. There was an incident in the mines, and then the Taos saved him. But mm -hmm. when uh, his, I think it was his successor, tried to come in and reduce the food again, there were revolts. And right. uh, for whatever reason, I forget exactly what happened, but uh, Thanos got transferred out to Bakura because he uh, had violated some of the policy with how they should treat the, the Taos. So mm -hmm. he was sent to end his career in this backwater world on a Carrick protecting repulsor lifts. Yeah, and he's got some angst about that too. Yeah, throughout the book, he's like, "Ah, oh, Christ." <laughs> um, and then so so he's but him and Luke kind of connect at one point, and he's he's not he's not like you know a, a terrible guy. Uh, but then we have Governor Nearest, who would be like the. He's kind of like the representative from the Empire who keeps things in line. Um, and he's awful. much less... Yeah, he's he's pretty awful. He's creepy. He's got 
what did you call it? Like a weird tooth and bug fetish? Yeah, so he's got like, it doesn't come up till the end of the book and it's super weird when it does. Yeah, but he's he's got this giant collection of teeth. His desk is made out of a giant tooth. He threatens to pull out one of Le- or some of Leia's teeth as trophies mm-hmm. too. And uh, yeah, yeah. And he owns other human teeth too. Yeah, it it's just yeah. gross. Yeah, and he, that and the bugs, and he's just he's just a really yeah. He likes he's, using little parasites for uh, killing people and uh, wiping memories and stuff like just any kind of parasite he can get to do whatever he needs. That's his go-to strategy. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, wiping memories, so we can talk. So th- those are the main Imperials. There are some other smaller ones, but those really are the, the the main ones. And they, well, Nearest doesn't show up in later books. We'll talk about why later. But uh, actually, I guess Thanos doesn't either, but he does kind of have a uh, he gets mentioned. An impact on the story. Yeah, he gets mentioned. And so, uh, I guess just before we move on from that, just uh, a little bit more context yeah. on Nereus is that uh, with the Empire fracturing, it comes up with a lot of Nereus's motivations that oh, yeah. uh, there is this power vacuum within the Empire. So uh, he's kind of hoping that he can do really well with Bakura and then position himself to either gain favor with mm-hmm. the new emperor and eventually ideally position himself to become the emperor. Uh, so a lot of what he's doing kind of fits into that. So, uh, Yeah, and even, uh, even Thanos is kind of tempted because there's a big price on Luke's head still to be captured alive. Uh, so it's basically like, yeah, the, the rebel heroes are here. So, you know, you capture them, like, you know, your life changes. So one character goes one way through some force suggestion, I guess, and the other nearest is pretty evil throughout, and he wants... So even though there is like technically a, the the truce on nearest like formally approves of the truce when he finds out Palpatine died, because it's basically knowledge that yeah there's no imperial reinforcements coming, um so they team up and at least on a they're supposed they're supposed to team up and take on the empire. It's kind of interesting too. You talked about the fracturing, and Luke has a line too about how even though Palpatine was dead. It would take months or even years for people across the galaxy to know. Yeah, and I think that kind of tied into how uh, Kathy Tears did the, uh, or how she thought about the Holonet stuff, mm-hmm. where hyperspace or across hyperspace communication, it was not very fast, I guess, or not very mm-hmm. accessible. Uh, yeah. So Holonet news not a huge priority for them. No. Yeah, because you don't really hear, like, once once they leave, I guess they have a little bit of communication with the Rebel fleet, but it's because the uh, the the Quasar has been, or sorry, the Flurry has been heavily upgraded with, like, Imperial receivers and stuff. But otherwise, it's like, yeah, it, like, and, you know, Legends is like that throughout. It's, like, different kind of levels of, it's, like, sometimes, I think in the new Thrawn book did this, too. It's, like, one holonet transceiver or... Um, whatever goes down, and basically you're cut off from the rest of the galaxy. Well, so, the entire thing with uh, the comics where Lumayo is Shirabri in the re- in the mm-hmm. rebellion, where they're uh, where they have to kill that beast thing. I forget what it was oh, called, yeah. but it was because um, it was a really powerful hollow net transceiver. It could act as one. So the it's, yeah, the Teetzel. Yeah. It uh, so apparently this is all a very big deal. Communications in Star Wars is inconsistent and unreliable. In and out of the universe. 
that kind of reminded me too. I guess although it's technically later in universe, out of universe, the rebels and the empire do team up a few times. I think to fight the um, the Toffs when they yeah. invade. Yeah. Um. Actually, yeah. was the would the Toffs be before or after chronologically? It was. It would. It, was it, would, it would have to be after because yeah, it's after, after right Endor. After. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so it's kind of two like existential threats for the galaxy coming from outside. Pretty short time period. <laughs> so our next uh, our next set of characters are the Bakurans themselves, uh, who are largely Imperial sympathizers, but some of them are hoping to join the rebellion or at least throw off Imperial rule. Uh, you have Yorg Captison, who is the Prime Minister, his niece Gariel Captison, who is a Bakuran senator. Uh, they have their own Senate, which is sort of like under the Imperial government. Uh, she Sweet. had gone to uh, to Coruscant to uh, some Imperial governing school, which was the standard procedure, because then they could go for a year of indoctrination, go back to their home system, and uh, run the government there. It's been and, a huge school. <laughs> yeah. There's, what, thousands of systems. Yeah. And you got a... The Bakurin Senate, was it... 20 people or 28 people or 280 something yeah i forget which factor I don't off by but regardless yeah, it's, times it's everyone. a small planet and like she gets to go and it's like bakura is like ohio basically <laughs> so yeah uh then you have epi and orn belden orn belden is a senator uh so right. also same position as uh gariel but he's like uh in his mid hundreds, so 150 ish, his wife Epi is like 133, uh, yeah. and she has long term memory loss, uh, which you later find out is something that the Empire did to her. But at first, they thought it was just that she mm -hmm. had started losing her memory at a relatively young age of 130. So yeah, 130 years old, and yeah, I think I think Ord is 161 or 163, so it's. It's crazy. We, do you want to talk about the aging stuff now? Because it is. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do you want to save that for later? Uh, yeah, we can go into it now. Probably. Okay. So some of you might decide. I did a video about this um, a while ago, but just kind of short version is this book. And it, it, it's probably, you know, this is one of the things we talked earlier about how most of this is, you know, it fits pretty nicely into the larger EU. But then you get weird things like this. So. So yeah, like Corey said, um, Epi, her memory loss is described as being at a young age, and she she would have lost it when she was in her 120s. Um, and Ord is 161. He's got a lot of replacement. Like I think I think the source book says he's had seven replacement eyes or something, and he speaks with like a a voice uh, transcoder or whatever. Um, but he's still completely active and whatnot. And so this is kind of, it doesn't really fit in nicely with the rest of the EU because mostly um, when you get sick or when you need to replace something, you don't go for replacement organs, which is what you do on uh, Bakura, according to this book. Instead, you usually just get a machine part and you can basically have your brain put into a machine and still function. Um, well, with Bakura, so yeah. you can kind of fit that in with their hatred of droids, where one of the True. first colony ships that uh, went to Bakura... Uh, there were some droid malfunctions and they almost killed everyone. Uh, so you can probably just fit that in as like they don't That's trust true, any yeah, mechanical really parts. Whereas everywhere else in the galaxy, you lose a hand, just get a new hand. 
who's a yeah, heart. That's a good point. A new heart. But yeah. they don't really like. To be honest, not many characters die in the EU, um, and not many die of old age. Pelion is in his nineties. Uh, I think he's ninety-one or ninety-three. Um, when he gets when shot, he di- when he's killed by yeah, yeah. You have he's, Akbar he's still- dying of old age, but he was in his seventies, and he had spent most of his life out of water, which the Mon Cal uh, right. didn't enjoy. And then Mon Mothma had these like nano machines that were yeah. eating her from inside for a while, and then she dies. Probably at a similar age to Akbar, but she was pretty yeah. young. Only in her that also rem- 80s. Reminds me that the Akbar thing reminded me. Um I might have I might have read it wrong, but in this book, Home One isn't Akbar's flagship. He moves to a different ship, which they say is more comfortable. Did you catch that? I didn't. Because so well Luke is being healed on Home One, I think. Um, but it talks about how Akbar moved to a different flagship. If you if you search um I'm searching flagship. What's the? Or it might not have been a different flagship, but a different a ship that was more comfortable because it has different air conditioning, basically. Um, let's see if I can find the quote here. But yeah, I thought that was really weird because it's a Mon Calamari cruiser, and that's been that was established for a while that the ships were Mon Calamari. So it's kind of a weird. Um, what does everyone want me to say? Bacon. Um, Although the Calamarian had commanded the Battle of Endor from a chair under the broad starry viewport on Luke's left, Akbar felt more comfortable on his own cruiser. Yeah. So, so I guess she hadn't realized that Home One was a Mon Cal cruiser when she wrote the book. Yeah. Which is that would have been established because even the I'm pretty sure even the concept art calls it yeah. um, calls it Mon Cal cruiser. So it's kind of a weird. Yeah. Uh, Oh, well. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. But yeah, so what, what were we talking about? Um, uh, well, we just finished, I guess, going over the Bakuran character. So maybe a quick overview of the Siruvi in there. Right. Yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna handle that? Because all right, so Siruvi just... are dinosaurs. Uh, have you ever seen Jurassic Park? Picture any of those, and just more tendrils coming out of their nose. Uh, but you have the mid. The two major Siruvi are. Uh, Firwarung, who is a mm-hmm. brown Siruvi. Uh, they have a different case system that's introduced in a later book that is kind of inconsistent with what happens in Teresa Bakura. But uh, Firwarung is in charge of all the attachments, so he's the one that's actually uh, treated as uh, Dev Sivwara's, like master, basically. And he's the one that uh, eventually wants to attach Luke, because then Luke could do what Dev is doing, only with a lot more training. Uh, because Luke is a lot more powerful, and then yeah, you have yeah, Luke, Luke is like said to be able to intact people from a distance. Like, yeah, that's what even they want outside to do. tractor beam range. So they basically want to use a really powerful Jedi to intact people from like just drop into orbit, intact everyone, and then they're good. But it's Fearwrung, and then the other major important character uh, for the Siruvi is Shtikith. Uh, yeah, S H. T-K-I-T-H, but with apostrophes. But uh, he's a like a, a Ruby noble dude. He's the one that handles all of Dev's renewals. And he's the one that's kind of in charge of everything that they're doing. There is a Ruby admiral there named Picus, but he doesn't really mm-hmm. do anything. Yeah, he doesn't do anything at all, really. But uh, that I think that covers all the major characters. So... 
Yeah. They're landing um, on Bakura. They get Leia is lucky enough to speak to the entire Bakuran Senate, and during this, Luke meets Gariel, and by meets I mean sees her from across the room, falls madly in love, and it's instantly super, super uncomfortable to read because it makes yeah. no sense. They go to a dinner later that has uh Yorg, Gariel, uh is Nereus there? I don't think Nereus is there. They want to uh, he shows up later. Yeah, they invite they invite basically everyone we've listed except for the Sea Ruby. Uh, maybe if they had, that was something. They've never tried diplomacy with the Sea Ruby. That's true. They never offered well, them any kind of like other energy technology, so they didn't have to enslave and kill everyone. To be fair, they do try. Like that's why they have the droids working on the because uh, they call the so the Sea, the sea Ruby communicate in like bird noises, so they call them fluties. Um, so you're thinking that the have... racial epithets that the Bakurans are throwing around in the Imperials <laughs> are going to stop any negotiations before they happen. Well, they they do have R two and C three PO working on like translation. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they do have Dev, so I don't know why like Luke couldn't have just sent him some some peaceful thoughts and just had had. Like, well, that was that. wasn't it before? Uh, wasn't the C three PO and R two stuff before Luke had figured out how to that he could contact well, Dev and Dev wasn't fully Dev feels the entire him. time. Yeah, yeah, you're right because Dev feels him when they're like during the battle because it's like oh he feels like my mom but more powerful <laughs> and then uh <laughs> which is basically what luke thinks when he sees gariel it's like my basically. sister <laughs> but she, she she feels sparkly basically like he is already he literally falls in love with her before she even says his name one time because yeah. By the time she says his name, he's just like, oh my god, that's the first time she said my name. Yeah, it's the, it's the biggest deal ever. Half the book is basically about Luke being in love with Gariel. That's what the first 250 pages are about. Where he's upset that he's all alone. And when they finally meet at the dinner, she is having none of it. Like yeah. She hates Jedi because of her religion. Where she thinks <laughs> that if people are like taking a lot of power, they're taking away from other people. So she basically tells him point blank. Like, everything you stand for, I hate. And also, the Empire is pretty cool. He's like, I'm in love with you more than ever. I love you even more. I know you uh, better than anyone ever has. And he literally just, says uh, that. Like, and I she's wanted like, to shoot myself. She literally has, like, anxiety about him reading her mind. Because why wouldn't you? And there's a lot of that, actually. Because at one point, Luke gives Han... He doesn't read his mind, but he gives some... He cools... Han's jealous, I think, when... I forget yeah, there's it's... some Alderanian guy that's on Bakura, yeah. and Han thinks, like, I guess assumes that Leia is just going to dump him and go with the Alderanian guy. So Based Luke on the courtship of Princess Leia, it's a reasonable fear. <laughs> well, maybe um, because Han had been acting like that for years. Yeah, true. Um, and th that'll be, yeah, when we get there, that'll be fun. But, uh, so yeah, she's so yeah, Luke uses his kind of force. It's not force empathy, but he kind of chills Han out and Han gets really pissed because they really f focused in the older books about how going into someone's mind and affecting them like that is a real violation of like kind of like a person's, I don't know, like integrity and like their, just their, it, it's just, it's like a violation of their mind really. And that's one of those things that like, depending on who's writing a Star Wars book, Luke and Leia and whoever else We'll be using mind tricks at will. And then, like, for example, in the Thrawn duology, uh, Luke doesn't want to do it at all because it's like, you know, it's it's really bad. 
Um, so Gariel is rightly worried about that. And Luke is like, no, I can't read your mind. I can just t- tell how you're feeling at all points. And she, and then he, she's like, kind of, she doesn't no, like so that. I can then, see whatever you're looking at apparently at any point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then later when they've had like one conversation, he's, like, this is going to be hard to hear, but I've known you more than everyone ever, any, anyone ever has in your entire life. Yeah. And you'd think this would put her off even more, but the next day they get lunch together and <laughs> well, to, yeah. then suddenly they're best friends and she's apparently now super into him too. So just reinforcing all of the bad behaviors anyone might be re- getting from <laughs> reading this book. So just and, don't, don't be Luke. That's the biggest takeaway for anyone who read this book. Stop. One of Luke's many troubled relationships. I mean, he he blows up um, what's her name, a Tie Fighter. He's got Danny the uh, Zeltron from the Marvel Comics. So, you know, he probably should have went for her because she was really into him. But he, for some reason, because the Zeltrons are like hypersexual, he's like not interested. Like Luke, you prude. Um, he falls in love here, Gariel, after you know literally ten seconds, um, and then he falls in love with a computer, basically with Callista. And then he falls in love with. Is there anyone between? Oh, what's what's the uh, what's the name of the one? Uh, who who's it before Mara? Then next. Well, he meets Mara, there's but the, then there's someone else. I think it was the other one who was like Falanasi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's her name? I forget her name. But that one was uh, weird. Yeah, and then wasn't Mara, it in the? Was that in Black Fleet Crisis or was that in? Uh, Lando's? I think it is Black. Yeah, it's, it's Black Fleet Crisis. But yeah, so. We'll probably we'll we'll definitely track this through line of the EU as we go through, but uh, yeah, but yeah. So while this is happening, I think this is the same day that Luke is having this uh, this meal with Gariel, where uh, because it was sent by the Imperials, the Nereus had actually put a. Uh, this was after the Ruby had said they want Luke. They had sent a delegation to Nereus saying, "If you give us Luke, we're gonna leave." And Nereus doesn't Nereus believe believes it. them. But he wants to give them Luke with these uh, parasites in his lungs where Luke will die so the Sea Ruby can't use him for what they want to use him for. And then it'll infest all the Sea Ruby on the ship. Uh, so Luke gets those implanted at lunch because there's like larva in the food. But It's fish too, which is kind of gross. Yeah. Fresh that's, fish. There's twice that he eats seafood and that's tracked explicitly <laughs> in the book. Uh, but while that's happening, Leia's getting out of the shower and as you yeah. expect to see when you get out of the shower, her dead father, Darth Vader, is there as a force ghost and basically tells her, I've been forgiven by Luke. Why what haven't is you your forgiven problem? me? Yeah, like, I said sorry. And <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, it's horrible. Yeah, he's like, he, he's like almost offended. <laughs> he's like, will you forgive me? She's like, no. He's like well what the hell <laughs> like, what more do i gotta do i've done then, literally nothing to atone other than throw the guy down the shaft but she comes down on a weird line too she's like i could forgive you for torture and for all the wrong what you did to han like really like you tortured han for like an hour like come on i'm going to read the passage for everyone because oh, it's yes, just fantastic do. leia the figure repeated do not fear me i am forgiven but I do have much that I wish to atone for. I must clear your heart and your mind of anger. <laughs> oh. Like, you don't get to say, I am forgiven. 
Yeah. That's not your call. The uh, the scene after that with Han is pretty funny. Because she's like, Vader was here, and he's like, oh, so you can do that now, too. <laughs> he's like... <laughs> Uh, it's it's even funnier because I listened to the abridged version after uh, I, I read the book and then I listened to the abridged version. I'll, I'll give you guys some feedback on that later in case you don't want to read the whole book. But uh, yeah, he's just like, he's like, oh, did you? And she's like, yep. It's like, oh, OK. Well, <laughs> and Leia just spends that's the, the rest of the book. Any of the chapters that are from her perspective is like, hope you were watching that because he when he leaves that scene, he's like, I'll be watching and it's like okay okay um, that's, that's creepy but yeah, like don't <laughs> she like shoots some imperials hope you're watching that dad and then he says um he says i might not be able to appear again and if i remember correctly obi-wan says the same thing at the beginning of the thrawn trilogy yeah yeah i guess i don't really know why but force ghost kind of just they have somewhere better to be they have to go to yeah. Avalos' weird graveyard of Force Ghosts. <laughs> Avalos having a big barbecue. Uh, <laughs> father will be there. Everyone's going. <laughs> if you don't let um, me go, Leia, you're the worst daughter ever. <laughs> oh man, it's so goofy, but it, it's it's fun. Um, oh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, that that whole bit's really strange. And then. Canon has like Leia's been pissed at Vader, which I think Canon has actually taken it a bit, you know, more nuanced approach with things. Because have you, did you read Bloodline, Corey? No. Okay, well, in Bloodline, like Leia is still, she's still, you know, furious at Vader, and she's still hiding her identity. Um, but in Canon, uh, sorry, in Legends, it's not too long later until Leia's naming a child Anakin. Yeah. Um, the optics on that aren't great. No, they're not. Like, um, what do you what do you tell everyone? Like, oh, Chief of State Leia has named her. Like, Angela Merkel is not going to name her kid Hitler and be like, "Don't worry, <laughs> I forgave him." Like, yeah, especially if he was literally part Hitler too. Uh, but yeah, so uh, why not Bale? Like, Christ, she says like how Bale will always be my real father. Yet, Bale was there. Bale was the one going to. Hover soccer practice and shit, but she names her first kid Anakin. Like if I were Bale, third the non Force Ghost. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, third kid. The uh, the family names of Jason and Jaina came up first. Yeah, of course. But like, if I were Bale and Force Ghost Heaven, I'd be or non Force Ghost Heaven, I'd be pretty pissed. Like that's probably why they did it. Because then if they named Jason Bale and then Vader's like popping in, like, hey, uh, you see, <laughs> see you're pregnant again. What's going on? Hey. So. uh so how about that name? You got you got anything? Actually, yeah, at that it's... point, it would have to be Obi Wan because Vader is apparently this is the last time Vader can show up, but Obi Wan still had a few years left in him. True. Anakin's been telling me you're having a kid. You won't <laughs> shut up. It's hard enough for me with my kid and my uh, non uh, Force Ghost grandparents to like <laughs> get him away for for a week. So. Imagine if he can just show up the second year of the refresher. It's, yeah, <laughs> you might be right. Obi Wan got a, sh- a few gets a few ships named after him, which I think is much cooler. Yeah, he also gets the Kenobi offensive mention, which is right a classic Clone Wars maneuver. Yes. But uh, one thing that's interesting about this time period, and we kind of passed this, is that like this is still before people knew what the Clone Wars. Um, yeah. Because. 
the Clone Wars is mentioned, of course, in A New Hope. Um, there are some, they tr- usually they were told, I had a conversation with Pablo about this on Twitter, I think. Usually they were told to not mention the Clone Wars. Um, there's one Marvel comic which gets it completely wrong. There's like clones of like Leia stuff and it's like the clone master. The clone masters were making rogue clones of people and stuff. Um, and then there's in Thrawn, they talk about clone masters as well. And the clones seem to be the, everyone basically thought the clones were the enemies. And even if you see the movie title attack of the clones, that's what you think too. Mm-hmm. But uh, George pulled a clever one on us, didn't he? Clever boy. <laughs> but uh, so the, the thing that actually makes Gary all come around on Luke it, uh, that no okay that was phrased very poorly <laughs> uh, <laughs> not really but uh the thing that makes her change her mind is that luke goes uh so gariel is really good friends with senator belden's wife epi who has the memory yeah. stuff going on and luke goes to visit gariel while she's visiting epi and figures out that the empire are the ones that uh that made her lose her memories and kind of go off it wasn't a natural thing uh so mm-hmm. luke goes in and starts doing some healing things that he apparently learned from Yoda on that weekend retreat he had to Dagobah that one time, where he learned everything about being a Jedi. Everything ever. And shows Epi how to uh, heal herself. And eventually yeah. she does. She starts coming around. So, uh, and he's so transparent about it. He, there's literally a line, I can use this lady, and this, this 160-year-old lady who's like, thinks that she's his dead or her dead son and doesn't have yeah. her mental fact. Yeah, Luke's like, primary goal. Lady to get to Gariel. Yeah. <laughs> not great. Buddy Yoda's probably sitting there on some log. Just not impressed, bud. Yeah. I I think he mentions Yoda not being impressed multiple times with anything he does. <laughs> he, just listen to Yoda. Yoda's Yoda knows what's up. Yeah. But, Yoda didn't find it necessary to pop in. I don't know what's up with that. Gario, on top of not liking Luke, also does really like the Empire, uh, mm-hmm. even though there were purges of people, and that's how Epi's son died. Uh, the Empire does like killing civilians, and yeah. uh, Gario's still like, you know, yeah, that's that's fair, because the economy's doing all right. So, and her, her parents are killed, not necessarily by the Empire, like during the rebellion, like on that planet some time ago. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really, I never really got why she's so pro empire. I guess just so much indoctrination, but yeah, yeah. It's kind and eventually of... she finds out that Epi was actually a freedom fighter against the empire for Bakura mm-hmm. and Gariel comes around. Uh, but while that's all happening, the Siruvi have sent down a shuttle behind the Imperial lines with Imperial uh, permission from Nereus mm-hmm. to capture Luke. So there's a brawl in a tap calf basically. Yeah. Well, Luke's having lunch, basically. Luke's yeah, like, well, I better get some lunch before the big battle, because they know the battle's coming at this point. And he's and... starting to cough a lot from the... The readers know it's from these worms that are in his throat, but mm-hmm. uh, he thinks it's from his calcified bones from Palpatine, giving <laughs> him the EST. So... <laughs> EST. <laughs> yeah, it's... Yeah, because one thing we didn't... like we. The book really kind of focuses on the fact that Luke is in really bad shape at this point. Um, yeah. Like the first few pages, he's like literally they confine him to a, a medical bed. Um, 
so yeah he's he's in he's like they they talk to about the calcification it's like yeah you, you will be effed up if you don't get this fixed and he's like i'll i'll meditate on the way to the planet and they'll be fine yeah the the uh the parasites are supposed to kill him in like 24 hours Gariel yeah. actually gets one but uh nereus vacuums it out of her throat uh right or oxygen's in doesn't 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 yeah like he yeah. it's oxygen and then it just falls oh, in the okay. mass, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh reverse vacuum or something but yeah. uh so she starts offering to work for the empire if he'll stop being such a dick uh <laughs> But it's like, Luke oh, you'll is work his, for the Empire. Yeah. Luke gets captured. Him and Dev are... Uh, the Siru-V had been testing the way that they could, like, hook Luke up and get him to attach everything, but Dev is starting to come out of his... Uh, he, he had felt Luke through the Force, and by contacting Luke, he was starting to get past all the brainwashing, even though they kept doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. So he, it was lasting less and less time. But they end up on the Ripe with Eggs in orbit, and <laughs> uh, Luke kind of plays dead until he's hooked up in the machine, then uses he uses mind control on one of the Puex slaves and just wrecks everyone in the room except for Dev. And they're having a conversation the whole time about whether he's going to be safe or not. So Yeah, and he kills a couple of the Cyru on the ground. Or blue, no, he kills one on the ground. One. But the thing about that is the Cyru think that if they die in a non-consecrated world, that I think they go to like Cyru Hell or something, or their Pretty souls. Much. They don't get the uh, eternal afterlife, so that's why they use uh, the Plex slaves for everything mm-hmm. and attach other people for everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in the Gariel's in the uh, yeah. So him and Gariel are getting a nice lunch. It's kind of annoying because the they just come out of nowhere and kind of ruin it, and then yeah, they yoink him up there. Yeah, they were they were finally just uh starting to get together and uh and now he's in space she's upset on the ground thinking he's gonna die because she knows about the parasites now mm-hmm. but uh luke actually when he's trying to heal dev because the uh the siruvi all flee the ship pretty much when they find out luke's aboard uh so this the shri were or ripe with eggs is basically mm-hmm. empty of <laughs> any crew other than luke and dev like one or two other people. Luke kills I think he kills Shtikith, if Pickus and Furwarung all. On the ground or on the on Yeah, the you're right. Yeah, yeah, I'm right. He beheads another one on the on the planet, but that was Dev is just freaking one. out because he's still like like he loves them basically. Like like yeah. it's more than just like a service. Like he like he loves them. And you do kind of feel bad for him. I actually think he's a pretty interesting character. But yeah, and he's just like freaking out. He's like, "Don't you can't kill them here." And the Cyru don't use lethal force either, especially on Luke, because they need as, um, like as many souls as they can get. And well, not for Luke. Luke is needed for the special project. But yeah, and uh, when during this fight, uh, because Nereus is sending Luke up to die, uh, as far as he knows. And he basically wants to deal with the Siruvi. He thinks Luke, being on the Siruvi ship, is going to wipe out the Siruvi because they're all going to mm-hmm. get the parasite. Uh, so he had given the order to Thanos to destroy the ship with Luke on it because otherwise there'd be uh, contagion everywhere. And right. he also tells Thanos to shoot the Flurry, the rebel ship, 
So mm-hmm. once it's clear that the rebels are, or that the uh, the allied forces are winning the battle against the Siruvi, and it's just Shriwer left, which is uh, pretty quick. Yeah, I think actually the the way the book handles the battles is act is pretty good. Because uh, it's they, mostly from like Luke inside the. Yeah. Luke's like basically cutting through the the, the ripe with eggs, um, trying to find his way to the bridge, and I think he also tries to free every soul he can. Yeah. Uh, and then you kind of learn because like they're so scared and this is where like it doesn't feel like a full like this doesn't feel like an end because most of the fleet retreats it's it's a very like act one victory you know it's like the it's like the the sluice vaughn almost um but yeah i'm sure we'll talk about that later but i think they do manage to blow up one of the cruisers uh, yeah and then they capture they capture the shriwer because yep. Luke had emptied it out, but and Luke had taken, <laughs> yeah, Luke had taken the uh, when he was trying to heal Dev, he found the two extra presences in himself, which were the parasites. He gets them removed. Oh yeah, and uh, that's a pretty cool scene too. You want to talk about that? Like what happens? Uh, how yeah, he how he gets them removed? Uh, go for it. Oh okay. Um. So so yeah, he's got these two basically bugs inside of him, and. It, he's like he he just yeah like Corey said he basically just thinks he's sick from uh palpatine's force lightning but at one point i think he, he actually passes out right and then he wakes up and he can feel these two cre- mm-hmm. like these two little force presences um kind of chewing inside of him and i think he like i think they're like chewing through his lung or something which is why he's coughing and he basically makes a scent of blood leading them out of his throat and then he stomps them he like yeah. spits them up and stomps them. It's a pretty cool little introspective force moment. Um, this book has a few of those actually, so not yeah. bad. Good job, uh, Kathy. So now Luke and Dev are like they're together. He's at some point he says that Dev's apprenticeship is now official or as good as official, <laughs> and that he's going to start uh, start training Dev up as this first new Jedi Knight in his new order. Yeah, uh, but was it? Uh, the the Carrick shoots at Shriwer and just shakes him all around, basically causes a lot of internal trauma. Yeah. Then doesn't he get hit by one of the... the bulkheads or something? Yeah. So but Dev, regardless, not in good he shape. He gets really badly burnt as well. Yeah. So that that doesn't last super long. No. Uh, so get he gets rescued. he does get taken out on the Falcon. Um. Uh. So yeah, the. So what happens? I guess next, the, next the, the Falcon comes and escorts them off. Yeah, they convince uh, Thanos that they don't need to kill Luke because Luke reaches out through the Force and tells Thanos, "Hey, we're Dude, why we are had you a doing meeting this? yesterday. What the heck?" Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then uh, they get brought on. Luke is in the Falcon, getting healed, and Thanos uh, basically surrenders the ship. Uh, so the rebels now have control over the Carrick. They kind of put it in low orbit over the Bakuran city because they're afraid of having to take yeah. on the three thousand. Uh, yeah, they're like storm we could blast you from here. <laughs> yeah, so they go and they start threatening Nereus again, mm-hmm. who thinks and, still that Luke is dead. Yeah, and then so basically they come out. They think Luke is dead, and then when Luke walks down the ramp, Nereus is like, "Oh crap! He's he's got those bugs and he's got those bugs mm-hmm. in him." Um, so he tries to shoot him, and it's it's such a strange moment because 
Luke talks earlier during the first battle where Wedge comes very close to dying and is only saved because the Falcon uh, comes. He talks about how to... What are the names of the 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 planet or like the... The Flurry is from a faction that uh, helped the Virgilian Alliance. Yeah, Free Traders. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, Luke tells one of the the officers on that ship that he can't use his force basically against enemy ships because to do so would be aggressive. And then when uh, Nera sees Luke coming down the ramp, he fires two shots at him and Luke, uh, he, the first one misses and then Luke hits the second one back and kills him, which like, I don't know. That doesn't seem very Jedi like to me. Like I feel like it's an effort to redirect a laser bolt yeah. right back to the person who fired it. He could have easily put that into the ground. Especially I mean, with not... how Luke is like super out of it at this point. Mm-hmm. And so that that's like the hardest thing for him to possibly do in the moment. And it just exactly he does it. Yeah, that's Which... like the uh, yeah, it's like technically not against his religion. Yeah. Forrest Jesus isn't going to be too pleased with that. One, I don't think <laughs> Yoda. <laughs> Um, is Yoda? Yeah, is there a force Jesus other than Yoda? I think it's Yoda. Anakin, maybe. Uh, no, I don't think. Yeah, Anakin's force Jesus. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe that'll be something to discuss when we get to like Fate of the Jedi or something. Yeah, Jason. (laughs) Yeah, Jason takes the galaxy's sins upon himself and yeah, sacrifices himself to himself. No, it's it's either Kenth Hamner. Or uh, who's that guy that we who we were making fun of the other day? The one, the old man who Bespin, or, or I don't remember. If it was oh, Streen, Streen, yeah, Streen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, once we get to the Jedi Academy trilogy, <laughs> lots of new great characters. Jedi Surge is going to be the best one. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so they're on the planet now. Uh, everyone's together, all their characters except for the Dead Sea Ruby, and uh, yeah. the oh yeah. And- Ord dies off screen, which is doesn't he? Doesn't Ord get killed? Yeah, Ord gets killed off screen. Off screen because Le- Leia is uh, Leia's whole subplot during all this is she's with Yorg and Orn, so uh, mm-hmm. the prime minister and the old senator dude, and they yeah. they're driving around town. And Leia's asking them about uh, whether they want to be with the rebellion or the empire if they yeah. had a choice, and yeah. they have this device that allows them to block or yeah block any uh, surveillance equipment so they could talk freely. But mm-hmm. uh, they notice they're getting chased by Imperial speeders who then attack them. So Leia gets arrested, Yor gets arrested, and Orn gets arrested. But mm-hmm. Orn is like nine, he's way too old and way too sick. So uh-huh. he just dies of basically shock. And he's just, he dies off screen. So the next time it's like, oh yeah, he's dead. Uh, they take Leia to like a log cabin, basically, is kind of how they described it. Yeah. And his wife, Orn's wife, is the one that leads the Bakurans in the uprising. So she's the one that like disarms uh or like holds uh Nereus hostage. Right. But uh I guess they never did take his gun because he does shoot Luke. No, I think I think he grabs the gun from he she he takes one gun because he's got one pointed at Gariel, I think. Right. And then she grabs it from him when when Epi comes in the door or something. I don't remember, but yeah, it's basically there's like while this is all happening, like while the fight against the Sea Ruby is happening, there is like a bit of a rebellion going on as well. Mm-hmm. And there's like because the Empire has started 
there's like a little subplot that goes nowhere about the alliance two alliance troops killing some uh imperials or bakurans that doesn't really go anywhere but the empire is like stamping down pretty hard on everything they're like not letting people leave their house yeah nereus had been just... trying to uh uh incite the rebels into killing civilians essentially because yeah he knew there were some on shore leave at the spaceport. He sent a bunch of Bakurin, like he paid a bunch of Bakurins to go and yeah. essentially hang around Rebel and harass them. So they took a shot at some of the rebel soldiers and then the rebel soldiers killed a few Bakurins mm-hmm. who had been shooting at them and had been sent by the Imperials right. to shoot at them. Yeah. Um, yeah, so while this is all happening, there's like a big kind of uh, rebellion going on and it's led by Epi, the 30-some-odd-year-old woman. She's like, oh, what I'd give to be 80 right now. If I were as young as Pelion. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, so after this, Gariel sees that her new best friend Luke is still alive. She thought he was dead, too. Yeah. And uh, they kiss because obviously. I but, think I should uh, just read it, Corey. Uh, yeah. I've, got the, I've got the line here if you'd like. Go for uh, it. Let me just, hold on, let me just pull it up. I accidentally closed the book. Uh, do I do I have it on our sheet here? It, it, trust me, guys. It's worth. Uh... Okay, here we go. He pushed because so basically they talk and it's not going to work out because I think Gariel's still a little she, against his religion. Well, she the main thing is that she wants to stay on Bakura. Uh, yeah. And Luke was thinking that if she was like the uh, the envoy between the Alliance and the Bakurans, then they could be mm-hmm. together. But she's like, no, I'm going to stay here. But uh... yeah. All right. Let me read. Let me read the passage. Um, OK, let me let me just guys, just get just get ready for this because it, it's it's a bit long. Um, so I understand disappointed in the end. He rested his elbows on the hologram, t- shifted the right one still ached where he'd wrenched it and breathing deeply hurt. He'd spend the entire hyperspace run back to Endor another healing trance. Are you taking prisoners of war? She asked quietly. We don't do that. It would make liars of us and lies of our goals. Every trooper we send home will tell three or four others that the Alliance, well, that we had them in our power, but we let them go. Luke, she whispered. She laid her fingertips on his shoulder. I'm sorry. He felt the softening he'd hoped for. Too late. He turned to her slowly and fully opened himself to the Force, hoping to make the sensation last. This time, she wouldn't raise her defenses. It's a really weird way to talk about... Sound wise to lower your defenses. Yeah. Anyway, what for, he asked. This has been a victory for humankind. Her cheeks colored. I want to be your ally, Luke, but from a distance. He pushed back a quiet desolation that threatened to send him over another emotional brink which is a pretty dramatic way to talk about being friend-zoned by a woman you met two days ago. Keep in he mind mustn't... that this is right after Dev Sibwara has died. <laughs> he has no apprentice. Away. This guy who he thought would be part of the future of the Jedi Order with him is dead. And this is, this is the worst thing to happen. Yeah. <laughs> he mustn't think of spending forever alone. <laughs> From a distance, he agreed hesitantly, touching her face. But just once from here. And then they kiss. And then he he lets the moment flood his perception, petal warm lips in the steep, sweet warmth of her life presence. Um, and then he just runs away, basically. Yeah, so uh, much later. 
Gariel marries uh, Thanos. So, yep. screw you, Luke. Yeah, and she got the Imperial she always wanted. Yep, the Imperial he can never be. Luke never really gets... So, Luke meets Mara, of course, in the Thrawn trilogy, but there's not a lot of romance there. And you put a tweet out, which I agree with, which is probably why Luke and Mara work at all. Yeah, because um, Mara was introduced by Timothy Zahn and wasn't intended to be a romantic interest for Luke. Right. And there's you can tell that because there's even one part I forget which book it is. I think it's, I think it's the Jedi Academy trilogy where Luke calls Lando and he's basically sleeping with Mara because yeah. Mara answers the phone and she's wearing like just Lando's shirt. And then Zahn, when he wrote the Thrawn duology, tries to, uh, <laughs> he tries to like cover up because then the relationship between the two is forming. And he's like, Oh, we were just deep undercover trying to find George Cardass. Like <laughs> that's what he Lando calls was- it. Yeah, deep I bet undercover. they were deep undercover. <laughs> yeah, looking for George Cardhouse. <laughs> kids are calling it nowadays. <laughs> my parents aren't here. Do you, my parents at home? Do you want to come over and try to track George Cardhouse? <laughs> when she texts you that her parents on? are out, but George Cardhouse is home. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah, even Luke and Mara is a little cringy at some point. She yeah. just calls him. Half of the relationship boy. is her crawling. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what I was going to say. Her calling him farm boy. Uh, especially where Luke's like, you know, he's like, he's a short guy. He's got a bowl cut. He's like in his 50s when he's dating Mara, who's like being like strikingly beautiful. <laughs> so off topic, but. So, Thanos uh, resigns his commission with the Empire, defects to the rebels, and basically helps Bakura run their uh, yeah. their defenses. And that's basically the end of the book. I don't think we missed any of the major points. They rename the uh, the ripe with eggs the Sabwara, which is kind of terrible. It like goes up there, the Anakin Solo, or like the Star Destroyer being named the Anakin Solo as like terrible names. This is the place. This is the ship that he suffered on for years, um, and that like his family were probably in tech on, and now it's named. He was burnt badly on it. Now he's named after him. I don't know. It's just and to everyone else, he was just the uh, uh, the guy who helped them do it too. So it's, it doesn't work on any level, really. Yeah, no, it's it's really yeah, it's terrible. Like everyone remembers Dev as like the one first saying "ripe with eggs" and. It's a little, it's a little depressing, I guess. Oh, there's another thing I want to bring up about that, where uh, Gariel asks about Dev at one point when he's getting treated by the Imperial medic, and uh, was asking something <laughs> about like, uh, did he change sides or something? And Luke just says, "Yeah, he changed his mind. Nothing about like <laughs> he was getting brainwashed mind or forced to do screwed, it against yeah. his will. It was he changed his mind, which is just yeah. the least convincing yeah. argument you could." Oh, really? So, yeah, because, like, what actually happened totally, like, it makes him innocent for everything that happened. I He changed his mind? That's, like, yeah, he's... He it's basically doing the this. Vader defense. Yeah, when he's, like, got a legitimate thing, and, yeah, it's, it's hey, well, pretty when, crap. When the Rebels were trying all the Imperials for war crimes and everything, there was so many of them, like, yeah, I did that, but uh, I changed my mind. And then they got they got let out. Yeah, or like the Kip Durin defense. Oh, I was possessed by a Sith Lord when I 
blew up the Karita system and killed billions. And people spend the next 20 years not trusting him, even though he yeah. literally had nothing. Yeah. Well, he he was susceptible to dark side That's like, control, but still. Dala, like, okay, so when Dala becomes chief of state, and this is like, what, 30 years later, 35 years later, when Dala becomes chief of state, she's real hard on um, Kip, basically, for what he did at Krita. It's like, do you not remember you literally tried to bomb an academy with children and, like, were blowing things up and, like, genociding planets for a while there? Change my mind. <laughs> yeah, change my mind. Kip, on the other hand. I've been forgiven. <laughs> Why are you forgiving me? <laughs> this is your fault. Oh, man. Um, What was... So... I forget what point we were on before I drastically derailed the conversation. I, I don't think we were on a point at this point. Do you want to talk about history of like Luke's apprentices and like how Dev probably got off easy? Uh, I think we should save that for uh, for one of the Jedi search or whatever the okay. apprentice truth could. We can bring Dev back up at that point. I can't we'll, wait. We'll make sure we do. But I think that's a uh, that discussion probably fits a little bit better than that. But uh, yeah, suffice to say, Luke has in legends like you think Luke was a bad teacher to Kylo or Ben like Luke, Luke, ha Luke makes some poor choices in uh, in legends when he's trying to figure this stuff. out. And, you know, to be fair, he's like he's trying to figure it all out on his all, all out on his own. But yeah. Yeah, I think him and Corin even have like a a rundown of all of his students and whether or not they've. It was a successful thing, but uh, uh, we already talked think, about the ages. Luke as Dev as Luke's student. What do you think? What do you think that looks like? Hmm. I'm trying to think of who he's most like out of the students that actually stick around. Yeah, me Cause too. Because he's got that dark past, right? He's he got the dark like past, but he's really. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Tahiri, just because of like he was, like. I think he's a bit happier than that. Like he's I agree. kind of he's a positive guy. Yeah. Where it even shows up when he's not like mind controlled to say positive things, mm -hmm. but he's like, "Oh, this isn't so bad." And Yeah, he's, he's kind of like a Kip actually. I know we just mentioned him, but Yeah. I think Kip Duran kind of works or even like younger Jason when yeah. he's still a happier person. Yeah, cuz he is he's you're right, he is so like happy go lucky and yeah, I think it's just like all of his body burned terribly. Mm. But um, uh... we don't know how powerful he is either. We know his no was or some sort of force sensitive, but we don't know how powerful he was. Um, he but... wouldn't have had that much training, but he was still able to like consciously control yeah. the force to do the attachment stuff. So mm -hmm. it yeah. wouldn't have been he would have been at least better yeah. than Tion. Extreme. Yeah. Listen, stream could predict weather. That's true. I don't. I don't. I don't think you realize how useful that is. <laughs> <laughs> the Jedi what? meteorologist we all need. <laughs> yeah, or like Corin can't even. Corin can't even move things. What a loser. Corin's. <laughs> that was always so weird because Corin can't move things, and then uh, his daughter Gisela can. But his son can't can't use telekinesis. Yeah, because I mean, 
Marex's family, like the Terex, didn't have any force yeah. sensitivity in there. But, no. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the major points for the book. Uh, yeah. I guess we'll just talk a little bit about uh, what we're going to be doing in, like, I guess, Do the rest of the stream yeah. and then in future streams. Yeah. So what we're going to do today, um, I want to talk a little bit about the audiobook. We'll do that later. Uh, what we're going to be doing for every stream is we're going to be ranking. Um, we're going to do like a running a running list of where the book ranks. So obviously right now, Crucep Bakra is the only book we've read. So it's both the best and the worst. Um, but if we, you know, 100 episodes in, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be talking. Yeah. So uh, we're all... no, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say if we if we want to keep like a we're definitely internally gonna need to keep a Google Doc or something for that. Yeah, there's no way we're gonna remember everything. But if we want to make that like publicly accessible for people to look at, maybe we'll oh, keep idea. it on. Uh, have it as a thing to put out on the stream layout, maybe so people can mm -hmm. see it when we're doing it. That's a great idea. Um, I, we should. I mean, we'll, we should also probably just give our we'll give a review too, I guess, and just our general thoughts yeah. because we did. I don't want to speak for you. Like we haven't been joking about the book because it's a little silly, but I I do enjoy it. I think yeah. it's a fun book. Um, and then we'll talk about also some of the later appearances stuff that appeared in this book. This will be, we did mention this somewhat throughout, and for certain books, this will be like much more of a obviously the Thrawn trilogy. Like the things we see there really show up again. Um, and then if you guys have any questions or comments, we'll also take that as well. Yeah. Uh, and if you are watching this. As a video, if you didn't pick up, we do stream this live as well. Um, so do you want to talk about your general review of the book, Corey? Uh, I mean, I I think it does a good job at setting up, uh, setting up the period. So it is, we were talking about this a little bit before, uh, before the stream, but it is a good place for people who haven't read any Star Wars books before, where yeah. if they're looking to get into anything that happened after the original trilogy, and they want to get into Legends books, it is a good one to start with yep. uh, chronologically. And like there, there's nothing in it that really presupposes you need uh, no, or that you have a lot of prior knowledge. No. Uh, so it's really good for that. Uh, we've done our nitpicking throughout on like some of the stuff totally. that we thought was off-putting, but uh, there's nothing that's like super jarring. So no, there's I mean, that the Bantam really Era is all like this. Um, yeah. And, and like for me, like... You you can make fun like like all of this is really goofy, but it kind of adds to my enjoyment in a way for these books. Uh, and some of that is nostalgia, but I don't know. I, I an enjoyable uh, little adventure. It, it is in the end, you know, not much changes in the universe. Luke doesn't get a new apprentice. He doesn't get a new girl. Uh, Han and Leia, their relationship doesn't change much. The sea ruby don't invade. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that now as well? Um, uh, because. Or do you want to finish your ranking or your? Uh, well, first? I'm. I th I think I've pretty much covered my opinion on it. If you want to say yours, then we can go into future appearances and all that. Yeah, same. I, like I think I don't want to give a number for it, but it, it's a. I would recommend it. Whenever somebody asks me, and I get this question a lot, where should I start with Legends? I always recommend. I, I will recommend you read the Thrawn trilogy first, just because some people don't like the New Republic era. It's my favorite. So, if this time period interests you, you might as well just start with this book. Yeah. And then move chronologically. Um, and then after this is at least read the first four X-Wing books. On yeah. Them. Like if you're looking yeah. to get into the broader expanded universe, then I think Truce of Bakura is a good place to start. If you're looking to just 
read a Star Wars book, and you're probably going to stop with that. Then I think Thrawn trilogy yeah. is probably edges out for that. But I, I think they're yeah. both good for. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about later appearances. Um, the Cyru, um, despite them being kind of built up as this big invasion force, they don't really appear much in X-wing. They talk about how if I, I forget, I think it's wedged a Corrin basically. If you mess this up, we'll have you doing Cyru cleanup duty, kind of suggesting that the New Republic has managed to, I guess, once they get all their, their stuff together after and their fleet repaired, they are hunting down some uh, Cyruvi outposts. And then until that, it's the uh, Force Heretic 1 and 2 from the New Jedi Order. Uh, the Puek and the Cyru actually play, a, and Bakura actually play a fairly big role in that. Uh, yeah, so that's um, about 20 years later, because the Yuuzhan Vong War is 25, yeah, 25 to 29 I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh So I think it's it's probably about 22 oh, yeah, years it's, later. It's towards the end, yeah. And uh, I think it's actually established somewhere. I forget where, so I might just be making this up. But I think it's uh, the New Republic go on, they try to go on this offensive against the Ruby, but when they get to Ruby space, it's already been wiped out by the Empire of the Hand. So, oh, right. I think that's an essential guide to warfare. Yeah, so that um, basically took care of them. Yeah, and that, that I think that's a that that's a sensible I think conclusion or like a sensible explanation. Yeah, because the Empire of the Hand basically anything that would threaten their existence, and they would have been kind of geared up around this point. So, yeah, it it's a good way to explain the fact that you already had those twenty years filled with all the galactic threats you could really fill it yeah. with and then these guys never showed up again so do you I, I i would like to summarize force heretic one and two but i can't really. i can't either all i remember is gary captison's daughter shows up and isn't that when they're looking for zonoma seacott to go there i don't think they're looking for zonoma seacott yet are they they might be i can't remember but basically the Pawek have tried to like uh, over because the Puek are the slave race, and at that point they've tried to overthrow the uh, the their oppressors, basically. But yeah, and then the Vahong are involved. And we'll get there when we get there. It's it's uh, there's no point of giving you guys a half explanation. But uh, Bakura generally also, uh, you know, they are they do appear in other material after they were established here. Uh, like of course they're referenced in the X Wing novels, which come chronologically. Like it talks about how certain members of Rogue Squadron were part of the Bakura campaign um, or fought against the Cyruvi. But the biggest way that they're brought in would be the Corellian trilogy, which is basically Han, Leia, and the kids have a bad trip to Corellia. Um, do you want to talk about that one, Corey? Uh, yeah, basically the uh, the New Republic forces are all busy during the Corellian crisis when they're having the battle for center point. They call up the B team, which are the Bakura team. And uh, so Gariel shows up. She'd married Thanos, but Thanos was dead by that point. This is like 19 ABY. So. Yeah, or 16 maybe? Or 19. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Around then. About 15 yeah. years after Teresa Bakura. Uh, and Gariel's in command of those uh, Bakuran forces. Because is she prime minister at that point? She, so she was prime minister. And then. During re-election, her husband gets sick, so she loses. Peter gets sick, so he lo- so she loses, and now I guess she's just 
she's like Luke reaches out to her and he's basically like, yeah, I know this will really screw you over, but we need to borrow your ships. Yeah, so because. they go there. Akbar eventually shows up to the battle, but during the battle, Gariel dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the or not all, but a lot of the Bakuran ships get exploded. I forget. Yeah. Now, but we'll we'll get to those books as well, and we'll have a bunch of wonderful callbacks to this episode. So. Yeah, because basically, wasn't it like the New Republic was? It was stuff was pretty peaceful there, so I think they're like refitting their ships, basically, which. Their entire fleet is one fleet. Um, But yeah, so she she dies. uh, Peter dies as well before um, you don't get anything else of him. And they do have a child and we'll talk more about uh, her. At least one. I I think only one. Um, Yeah, they just have the one that we know about, but. And what's the name of the uh, the Bakurin ship too? You made a funny joke. Oh, yeah. So off stream the. The names for the Bakuran ship classes are the Watchkeeper class and the Namana class. But the Namana is the name of a fruit, so it would basically be like if we had an Apple class cruiser. It just sounds super <laughs> lame. Or like they make wine out of it too, because remember yeah. he does like... So it's like, yeah, the, the grape cruiser. The grape is. cruiser. <laughs> grape 1 and grape 2 just came out of hyperspace. <laughs> They're going to ferment us. Yeah. But yeah, so so things really don't go that well for uh, Bakur. I mean, it does. They do join the New Republic, and you know, I think things are pretty peaceful there. They have what sounds like free elections and stuff. But yeah. well, you also uh, you were talking about earlier before the stream how Bakura shows up in a lot of video games too. Like, there's a mission there in Jedi Academy uh, mm-hmm. where you're blowing up. Isn't the there facility. a super weapon too? At uh... yeah, so you go there with um, what's his name? Jaden. Jaden Core. Yeah, Jaden. Mm. And, and then in Rogue Squadron 3, I think, right? Uh, One of them. Two or three. I think it, the, it might be two. Is it the super weapon you're blowing up at Bakurai? I don't remember. But yeah, right. you, go, you, you go there multiple times, and it's in. It was in one of the old Clone Wars games and Empire at War, I think. So it, it's basically a planet that. And, you know, Legends was good about that. Something would get mentioned once. You know, kind of even just planets would make its way. Kind of, if if you need to throw a planet name in there, it'd be one that existed. Um, and it's even made its way back into new canon, though I don't think we know anything. Just it's been on a map, I believe. Uh, photos bring up in the chat uh, something that we, uh, the last thing I think we were going to bring up in the later appearances thing, which was the mm-hmm. uh, the interdiction field or the ability yeah. to get through the interdiction field. We have the. Uh, yeah, it's the hymns. I think it's yeah, called. Hymns, the, uh, but I forget what it stood for. Hyper- hyperspace wave, inertial momentum inter- sustainer, yeah, I think. So they could go through interdictors, which was yeah, and that's cool important them. because of center point station. Um, but yeah, they also have. We didn't talk about either. There's a few weird technologies on Bakura. There's the the seemingly advanced cloning. There's the inertial momentum sustainer, which can basically help you get through interdiction fields. Which is, yeah, that's part of the reason why the Bakurans are involved. And then there's also the, uh, did we talk about the bubbles they make? The, the uh, yeah, bubbles? we talked about it with uh, okay. them getting arrested when Orn okay, dies cool. off screen. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, and the, that's basically mostly it. And, yeah, so I guess the last two things here that we're planning are, uh, we'll open it up to any audience questions that there are right now. And then there's mm-hmm. going to be a little bit of a discussion later about uh, 
We wanted to talk about Marvel Star Wars 108 and yeah. a bit of other Legend yeah. stuff that's coming. Yep. If we have any questions. Anyone have any questions or just general thoughts? Whether it was now or... Because I know some people did. Some people messaged me. Oh, I'll talk about the audiobook as well. Right, yeah. Um, and will you guys get your questions? Will you guys are writing your questions, yeah. So keep track. The Star Wars audiobooks are kind of a mixed bag. Uh, the early Bantam era books generally get really poor abridgments. And for those who don't, an unabridged audiobook is literally just the words read by, um, you know, somebody, a narrator with, with uh, usually music and sound effects in the back. Unabridged audiobooks make the, make the, or sorry, abridged audiobooks make the book much shorter. So the true set Bakura is a three hour and 45 minute audiobook, which is really, really short by audiobook standards. Something like, uh, I, th- I think Thrawn Book One, for example, is 14 or 15 hours. So it's a pretty um, significant abridgment. They do have Anthony Heald, uh, who did most of the Bantamera books, but it actually kind of works for Truce of Bakura because it actually, unlike, say, Star by Star, which uh, cuts out the entire Battle of Coruscant, um, Truce of Bakura has mostly everything. So if you want to read this book and you, you know, if you, have a free audible credit uh, or you just drive a lot, then I would actually recommend this audiobook. If you want to get the whole picture, you do need to read it, but you get most, most of the major plot elements here. Um, but going forward, say for next week when we do, or two weeks from now when we do X-Wing Rogue Squadron, I would not do the audiobook for that. The narration and the music is good. Um, but until the Thrawn trilogy, that's when you guys can jump back on uh, audiobooks. Yeah, audio cassettes. They're, they're the same. Uh, they're all from the uh, they're all from the nine. Certain books got better ones, like the Thrawn trilogy got a a nice unabridged version um, with uh, Mark Thompson, and yeah, some of the other ones did too. Like the New Jedi Order is all pretty rough. By Legacy of the Force, they got really good. They're still abridged, but the abridgment is, and then Fate of the Jedi is all unabridged. All right, so I've uh, I've copied in the uh, the questions to the Google Docs there. Okay. Anything you want to take a look at? Oh yeah, done that. <laughs> um, let's see. So oh, that's a good question. Joel has a question that I meant to ask you, Corey, because I didn't know this, but you did. Um, how far does the Leia not forgive Anakin thing span in the old EU, starting with this book? Uh, so. What I was what I was thinking, or my recollection of it, was that uh, she finally forgives him in the book Tatooine Ghost, which is about mm-hmm. four years after this book. It's right before the Thrawn trilogy, where Han and Leia are going to uh, Tatooine. I think it's they're getting it from Tatooine, where they're going to pick up a painting uh, of an Alderanian scene called Killick Twilight, mm. uh, where Troy Denning wanted Killicks <laughs> in another place. Uh, Troy. But yeah, so it's it's about four years later where she finally seems to come to terms with it and forgive him. And um, of course. After Vader had already decided he was forgiven, so it's clearly Corey, can you just answer a question? I just got a, a call, sorry. Uh yeah, sure. So uh Photo was asking, what do you think about how most of the rebel ships died? Uh I mean it was definitely a cheap shot by the Imperials to kill the flurry there, if that's what you're referring to. So uh, I don't know if we really hear about the other rebel ships getting blown up. I don't think they do. 
Uh, Flurry dies, but the rest seem to be okay, or at least die in a less conspicuous manner. Uh, yeah, Wikipedia says several capital ships died, so I guess uh, some of the other ones died, but it wasn't that important. But uh, yeah, I think we kind of covered that with the other parts. Uh, Brandon's asking. Do you think it holds up to the extent of the EU and current canon? I mean, the review parts there, I, I think we kind of covered that it it works as a good introduction to things, but the uh, there are some things that if you read this and you read a lot of other bits of Star Wars, like it, there are some inconsistencies. Uh, but they're, they're usually relatively small. There's nothing that really stands out as being super inconsistent. Uh, obviously, it doesn't fit with the with new Disney canon because it's an entirely separate timeline. So C-Ruby have even less of an impact there than they would with that. But uh, And as we were saying, it sets up for some stuff that comes in later with uh, Gariel's involvement in the Corellian trilogy, with the C-Ruby's involvement in... Uh, in the New Jedi Order, but basically the New Jedi Order brought in as much as they could from every other uh, every other bit of Star Wars, like the the Avitha come up there as well, and uh, they they tried to fit in as much as they could. Uh, so I'm just gonna sorry, I'm back now. Okay, you're I back. apologize for that. No problem. Yeah. Uh, so we're just talking, uh, answering Brandon's question. Do you think it holds up with the extent of EU and current canon? So do you want to mm. add anything on that? It just it, it's like as enjoyable as a building perspective and like you know a lot of the stuff that made a star wars eu book a star wars eu book was kind of um interpret it was kind of developed like bit by bit so it reads much differently than you know a modern eu book um but yeah it, it, it's still fun you know what i mean yeah there was uh there was kind of three different periods seems like with a lot of the eu with legends where totally. there was the really early stuff where it was just wild west of whatever the legends of the legends basically like yeah uh marvel star wars kind of fits into that mm -hmm. and then some of the earlier like little one-off adventures where there were kind of like vignettes in the star wars universe but there wasn't any idea that there would be or should be an overarching right like the daily it. stuff yeah. yeah but then you get to like the thrawn trilogy trusa bakura yeah like phantom yeah, they they started doing more of uh, more consistent overall plots, but still not really going for much character development in the long term. Like it's still uh, Imperial Menace of the Week or Monster of the Week kind yeah. of stuff. Then you get to an intentional change with New Jedi Order, where they yeah. wanted to unify stuff as much as they could and have it all working towards this one major threat. Yeah. Uh, and so I, th I think Truce of Bakur really shows itself. Uh, like it really yeah, it, fits into that second period of stuff. And it, it, I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's almost pulpy. Like, yeah. um, Timothy Zahn, for example, has said how if it were up to him, he would never kill a main Star Wars character, including Chewbacca, including Mara Jade. Um, because to him, it is like, uh, you know, and it, basically at its heart, Star Wars EU and Star Wars movies are adventure series. Um, and there is a yeah, so this you're right. This definitely falls into 
a um a you know it's it's a product of its time it is different than so like i'm trying to think that what major characters died in the bantam era we had a few rebels die um Crick's mate does Crick's mate dean die um is he dying dark dark yeah but even uh like even mon mothma isn't killed outright they were very um they would introduce characters and kill them but even like fan favorites like corn horn or whatever they would leave them alone so this does yeah. feel like a uh this does feel like a uh it was very rare for a character to kill be killed and it was usually pretty light um it was m- much more similar to like what you'd see with like the indiana jones expanded universe um compared to like say the new eu which definitely feels like it's 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 just different it's a lot more fun in a way yeah, not the, in a negative or a positive way, but yeah, the by the time NJO started, there was like a pretty clear agreement among a lot of the authors and mm-hmm. Lucasfilms that nothing was really happening anymore. Like mm-hmm. they they told the same story a bunch of times, and it was just yeah. how many ways can you have a different Imperial come in and do nothing, and the characters weren't really going anymore anywhere anymore. So it was kind of their choices were to kind of tread water. And just keep doing the same thing, and that would fall off, or yeah. to go into something that had a bit more of a lasting impact, and where the stakes got raised a bit. Totally, uh, I just want to say, someone said, "Dark Saber is a cautionary tale against lying in your resume." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and you know, I, th- I think they are right, and that is kind of why, like, you see with like the Legacy era, like, like Fate of the Jedi and Legacy of the Force, the characters are a bit too old and it feels like they've done a little bit too much. And that is kind of because the EU spent a lot of time like meandering around, um, you know, with like doing stuff like, you know, I'm trying to think of like a good example of something that took a really long, like even just, you know, you add in, it's not only the fact that you have these stories, but the fact that you have to have time between these stories, between these conflicts, so, you know, you have like Dark Fleet Crisis, Corellian Trilogy, uh, like all of that, like it just takes up time. And now you have Legacy of the Force and Fate of the Jedi and Luke's like nearly 60 and Lando's 70. Han is super old. And but yeah, so you're right. By the time they did start trying to do stuff, it, you know, there'd been a lot of kind of yeah Corellian trilogies. By 45 ABY, you have Luke, Lando, Leia on they're all still wedge they're all still alive and yeah. they were afraid to kill them off because they were the movie characters chewbacca was the only one of the really major movie characters that died because yeah. like akbar became an important eu character but in the movies mm-hmm. he, he, wasn't, was, yeah, he wasn't he was very small part in the movie that only really yeah. became popular as a meme uh yeah. so he died but then you have for the next generation of that family you have Anakin, Jason, Jaina, and Ben, and by the end of uh, the EU books, they'd killed off Anakin and Jason already. Mm-hmm. So that's half of the characters gone. And it's still a bit weird too, because like J- Jaina's what thirty by Legacy of the Force and Fate of the Jedi, and they talked it like when Luke and Leia, or sorry, when uh, Han and Leia talked to her, it's like she's still a teenager. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just I don't know. Like I I love it for what it is, but. And I love books like this, but there is kind of a, a real tonal shift in Kura coming out in the new EU. And I don't think there ever really be, ever will be. 
Yeah. Uh, so, for that reason. Yeah. Uh, more. I guess we got more questions. Uh, Joel uh, Davis, how do you feel about the feel overall about the Empire and Rebellion teaming up with each other? It's almost like it's not the Empire teaming up. It's like Imperials on this planet. Yeah. Like, there's no. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like the Empire, although they do have this big ass Stormtrooper Legion and stuff. Um. Yeah, it's like this planet doing whatever it needs to do with the Alliance, and for that, I think it's pretty cool. It's it's interesting. It's an interesting take on like backwaters empire what it was like yeah it was it was a, a kind of a case study for how a planet would join the rebellion like you mm-hmm. have the imperial officer that defects and kind of shows what he does or doesn't like about the empire where he wasn't like totally yeah. out on the system but pragmatically it just made no sense to try to support it anymore and for his own yeah. personal reasons and you have the locals kind of rising up against it you have a governor who was trying to crack down on it and mm-hmm. so it it wasn't really them working together. It was probably something that was happening in a lot of places in the galaxy at any time. Yeah. And I do like one thing that I like is even when they are working together in like in good faith, there's even still moments where they each other. Like one thing we didn't mention was the uh, computer system that the flurry has the uh, it's like the tactical computer, the tactical computer. Mm-hmm. And at one point, um, they're doing like a battle simulation. I don't remember if it's on that tactical computer or another one. And Han is like, well, the reason why you have the battle being projected like this is because you've put all the X-Wings in the deadliest positions. So like the Empire is still having their uh, like inherent biases. And then he's like, well, when you actually mix X-Wings and TIE fighters together, like when you use our fighters' strengths and weaknesses, then, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. Like anytime you have, you know, X-Wings and TIE fighters flying together, it's pretty cool in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my favorite line from the book, if I can find it. Oh, please. But uh, I know exactly the one. Come on. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, one TIE fighter went to the Alliance as booty. <laughs> one TIE fighter as booty. Beautiful. That's really <laughs> screw the Shrewer. No yeah. one ever hears about that again. I know that tie or fighter the, uh, becomes Defiance a hero or legends. whatever. Also, they're like we were going to talk about one way that the universe is different is just scale at this point. Yeah. Um, like the one Carrick is, even though the Alliance doesn't keep it in the end, it's like the anchor of the current defense fleet. I, I think anyway. Um. And where they the Endor about... fleet for the Imperials is basically like the, the yeah. biggest Imperial fleet in the galaxy. Yeah, Or exactly. the majority of their galactic forces. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's like it's Star Wars authors weren't really hadn't figured out a sense of scale and they still do have that issue. Like when you when we read X-Wing, I, I've kind of highlighted a bunch of points where, you know, Star Wars is on a pretty small scale, um, both on like an individual battle and the universe where it's like yeah the empire has a dozen star destroyers left or whatever um but i I think they did a good job as the time went on they did a good job and this book has some good parts too like they talk about ten thousand imperial planets which to me doesn't sound that far off um you know what i mean yeah but you look at uh you look at the scale of combat in like trisa bakura or even the thrawn trilogy where Mm -hmm. like thrawn's main force of six star destroyers was wreaking yeah. havoc on the galaxy then you look at dark empire where it's like 
this system has 17 SSDs. Yeah, exactly. The Essential Guide to Warfare... 35,000 Star Destroyers. Didn't... Yeah, the Essential Guide to Warfare did a really, really good job, I think, of taking all of that and helping it to make sense. Yeah. Um, even everything from, like, how the Alliance... Because, you know, yeah, the number 29,000 Star Destroyers, why not throw more at Endor? Well, the Essential Guide to Warfare gives you um, explanations, and it really helps you understand how the Empire fractured so quickly when they've got so many ships, like all the ships that were lost due to infighting and all the ships that were jumped on the Alliance side. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, the Essential Guide to Warfare eh, really helped with that, and the new canon is really going to need that help at some point too. Yeah. Because they did it in like a year, like in the new canon. Basically, the Empire defeated in a year. Um, but it's, it's, there's different circumstances. Well, it used to be a very like the those sources did a good job of uh, cleaning it up, but they, it was a pretty clear division between uh, minimalists totally. and maximalists in mm-hmm. uh, whoever was writing certain totally uh, certain sources. But uh, yeah, when you read Thrawn, you see Thrawn as the Empire. Like you don't realize all these warlords are running around and stuff. So, and then you read, you know, like the Thrawn duology, for example outright states that like the Pelion even says specifically the empire had 25,000 star destroyers. So that like, that is kind of a study of how Zahn kind of adapted to. Yeah. And yeah. uh black fleet crisis, when they're talking about all the new class ships, like the, the nebula class star destroyer, I think they explicitly mentioned that there were less than 10 made uh, yeah. some very small number. It's like, okay. And they're making is... one a year basically. Yeah. So say. it's, it doesn't quite add up. Same with the, like, it's the same with the MC-90. They say it took, like, or in, um, I think in Jedi Academy, they go to, uh, when they go to Mon Cal, they're like, yeah, we're getting a, we're getting a, a Mon Cal cruiser out every six months or something. It's like, that is not enough. <laughs> you are going to need way more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so the... Do you want to do George's question, too? He asked about special guests. Yeah, so that's the I think the last one for Trusa Bakura we have here. But I have a okay. question about the future um, live streams. Do you guys plan on having special guests on to discuss the books with you, or is it a two man show? So we we haven't like decided fully. I think we probably want to do a few shows alone so we can uh, work on our you know back and forth and kind of get the. I, I'm actually really happy with how this episode was structured and how we did it. But eventually, I think we'd like to have some guests on, right? Yeah, uh, I th- we there's a bunch of other lore YouTubers out there, even uh, yeah. Star Wars gaming you talk YouTubers about, yeah. who uh, may or may not be guest possibilities yeah. for the future, which we're certainly open to. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I think us having a few episodes of just uh, figuring out the format and how that all is going to work mm-hmm. uh, is probably how we'll do it. And then if there's anyone that wants to be on, and yeah, we'll figure that out as we go. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting where Corey and I are so kind of into this and we've read like so much and are kind of just really familiar with it. I'm interested to see somebody who like knows, like Captain Shaq mentioned that he might be interested and we already talked about this on a live stream or I wouldn't bring it up. (laughs) But like he he is familiar with um, most of Legend, but he hasn't read a lot of the books and he said that as much when we, uh, we did an Empire War stream. And he said that he would be really interested in doing something like this. And I think it'd be cool to have a perspective of someone who like knows a lot of the lore, but might not have 
read a book for a while or read one of the older books, like someone who's never read, you know, Jedi Academy trilogy or something. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> so I think so that'll vary just on like people's schedules and if there's like a, a yeah. good fit for the book. Cause we've talked about, uh, whether we're just going to do it like chronologically, we kind of left it open when we were announcing the show. So we'd have some freedom to, if we wanted to jump forward to another book, or if we wanted to like cover a movie at some point or another piece mm -hmm. of media, we'd have kind of that freedom yeah. or a comic or something. So yeah, uh, we can kind of structure that around. Uh, if we ever have a guest on or whatever we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe even a new Canon book at some point, like we're not, we're not like ardent canon haters or anything, obviously. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of options. It mostly depends on your guys' feedback, um, what you want to see, what you expect. So mm -hmm. make sure you let us know, both on the live stream and after the video is finished and uploaded. What, what Let us know not only what you enjoyed and what you're looking to, but if there's something in the stream that didn't work, you didn't like the way we, how much I cut Corey off or the way we uh, talk about things, make sure you let us know that as well. Uh, but yeah, so I guess, uh, just when is the next episode? So I guess we'll just go back over that, uh, yeah. now and that'll mostly be it. So, uh, the next episode is going to be on June 13th at 7 p.m. EST once again. Uh, mm -hmm. we are going to be alternating between, uh, Eckhart's channel here and my channel. Uh, mm -hmm. so the June 13th episode is going to be streamed on my channel, Corey's Datapad, the episode after that will be back here on Eckhart's Ladder and then back and forth like that. Uh, the video on demand version is going to be available uh, basically the day after on the opposite channel as well. So it'll stay up on Eckhart's channel, but tomorrow morning it'll be up on mine as well. Uh, it may yeah. be like a day delayed or something after that for. Yeah. Uh, and for we're just going to, like, I'm not going to take this down. I'm sure you want to, like, so once this stream is done, you should be able to um, go back and watch it. I don't know. YouTube might need to process it, but. Yeah, yeah, so it'll it'll still be up here, so don't worry if you want to watch. If you miss something, you want to go back, uh, it'll be uh, it'll still be there. If you want to watch it on my channel, it'll still be there. And uh, yeah, so... Let me just mention 108 first right, before we yes. end. Uh, so for those who don't know, there's not... Obviously, Star Wars Legends was, I guess, decanonized, as you could call it. Uh, what, what was it, 20... 2014? No, 2014. Yeah. I think it was bought, Disney was bought, bought Lucasfilm in 2012, but I think it was 2014 that it was decanonized. But yeah, I think, I think you're right. Um, so there's not much Star Wars Legends content being made anymore. Of course, the Old Republic is doing some consistent updates, but yesterday, um, a brand new Star Wars Legends comic came out, Star Wars 108. It's a continuation of the old Marvel comics from back in the day, which if you guys have watched my channel, um, you would know I'm a pretty big fan of. And I read it when it came out. I read it yesterday, and it's really phenomenal. I'm going to give a couple away on Twitter. Um, but I would really recommend you guys to go to your local uh, comic book store, ask them for a copy of Marvel Star Wars 108. Even if you're not a Marvel Comics fan, even if you're not a huge comic fan generally, just do it. Support Star Wars Legends because, you know, if if they see lots of people buying new stuff, you know, like you never know, right? Especially once... The, uh, the next once the trilogy is done, there's going to be a lot more freedom for what they can do. Either way, you know, we all love Legends if you're watching this podcast or listening to this podcast. So just consider buying it. And uh, yeah. 
anything you're excited about in your channel or your personal life coming up, Corey, that you'd like to plug? Uh, nothing super relevant. I'm doing uh, preview playthroughs for upcoming versions of Thrawn's Revenge, including our Clone Wars mod for Empire War that's coming up. Can you uh, explain what Thrawn's Revenge is? Some people might not. So it's uh, Empire War, which is a Star Wars strategy game. I run a mod called Thrawn's Revenge, which takes place in this kind of period, uh, post-Endor. We also have the Clone Wars version. And I'm mostly bringing it up because we fixed a bug recently that uh, fixed some stability issues. So it may be something that you see coming up on Eckhart's channel uh, mm -hmm. on Twitch. If someone is throwing garbage down the garbage chute, and it is very loud. But yeah, so there you go. Yeah, and trust like. I'm, I, I didn't play Empire or that much uh, back in the day, but I've been playing Thrawn's Revenge. And if you guys enjoy the post-Endor era like I do, it's my favorite by far. The New Republic era, you guys should definitely play that. Um, there's the level of detail. I don't think there's any... Bakur is in it, but I don't think there's any Cyru ships in Not it yet. now, are there? Not yet. We have um, the assets. You do have the assets? Well, we have a, a mod for Sins of a Solar Empire where the Ceruvi are in that as like a random event that can oh. happen. And we just need to get a ground model of the dinosaurs so we can actually put them in Empire at War. Has there ever been like a Jurassic Park mobile game or something? Like, <laughs> uh, We'll probably end up taking the Tauntaun animations from the base game and putting them on <laughs> our, uh, my own model. But Oh my god, that's going to be beautiful. Oh, it's, it's make, sure you get the, uh, make sure you get the nose tongues as well. Um, we have to. It's going to be their attack animation, just smacking people with them. Um, any, any exciting videos coming up or anything on your? So a lot of you probably know Corey from his uh, his gaming channel or his gaming channel and the mod work he does. But he does have a lore channel, which is great. It does really, really deep dives on legends issues that are never covered on YouTube. So any exciting videos you want to talk about, Corey? Uh, well, this weekend my video is going to be on. Uh, Grand Admiral Marcio Batch. Like I, right now, I only do uh, videos every Saturday. Uh, mm -hmm. When I have, uh, I'm almost at the point where YouTube will let me monetize the videos, which means uh, I'll yeah. be able to afford to spend a lot more time on it. Uh, sure. So I want to get up to uh, as close to daily videos as I can. So I'm going to be putting out a lot more with that. But Great. That's all I got. Anything you want to? Mm, not really i will be in la from june 5th to june yeah. 10th um there will be some other star wars youtubers there i'm not sure what our plan is but i assume there will be some sort of meetup so if you guys are in the area and you want to come say hi uh just keep an eye open on twitter um i've put my links in the description and Corey's link should be down there too uh i don't have Corey's twitter I'll, someone just post it in the chat but uh, regardless, yeah, I don't have any any fun videos or anything coming up. Just keep an eye open on the channel as always. Just a reminder, though, guys, next video or next discussion will be on the first book of the X-Wing series, Rogue Squadron. Again, I want to highly recommend if you guys are going to check this out, do it as a book, not as an audiobook. Um, when I When we feel good about promoting audiobooks, like when we get to Thrawn or whatever, we will for now. Read it on paper. Go to your local bookstore. They're so cheap. Um, you can also read them. On, I read them on Kindle. Um, uh, they're also yeah, available about... on the Google Play bookstore, and they're uh, yeah. a little bit cheaper there, too. Uh, yeah, but these books are everywhere. Like your library, guarantee your library, if you have one, has these books. Yep. They were everywhere back in the day. 
I think that's all for me. Corey, you want to? I'm good. Enough of anything? All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Tap Calf Transmissions. I am Justin, and this has been my friend Corey. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you not next Thursday, but the Thursday after that. As always, be safe and may the force be with you. Thanks, guys. See you next time.